We're back yet again with another commission podcast. This is another community commission where a bunch of uh, Bald Move fans got together, pooled their hard-earned dollars together, and forced Jim and I to do mm, a podcast yeah. against our protestations uh-huh. uh, on the 2002 series Firefly. Really had to twist my arm on this one. Yeah, almost uh, broke off. Uh <laughs> And you know, traditionally, uh, I feel like we're getting on the, off on the wrong foot on this stuff. But traditionally, when people do the community commission thing, you know, we ask for two-ish hours of entertainment to review, just to kind of go easy on our our, our time commitments and, and and what we're charging for the things. Uh, but when it became clear to me that this was going to easily get commissioned. That was back at the end of October. Cecily had never seen Firefly. It felt right for a complete series rewatch. And I have, in the last two months, seen all of the original run of the episodes plus the movie. How about you? Uh, so, I yeah, I had seen Firefly, I don't know, 2007, 2009, several years after it came out. Mm-hmm. But that was the only time I'd seen it. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, screw it. I'm going to go back and I'm going to rewatch the whole thing. So I did, and I rewatched the movie last night. Yeah. I mean, don't expect this. Like, if you commission right, us to right. watch a, a series, don't expect, like, oh, they're going to love it so much, we're going to watch the whole day. But the Firefly, it had been a while since I've seen it, and, and it's I It's a have, short run, and most I love importantly. It. Yeah. It's, I think it's yeah. one of the great tragedies of the golden age of television. Me too. That Completely. we haven't gotten. I mean, I know a lot of people would be like, harum, harum, what about Battlestar Galactica? But I don't think Battlestar can hold... Fireflies jock when it comes to just being fun and uh, just a right. romp. Yeah, Battlestar is not nearly as fun for sure, and it, it kind of helps its procedural, honestly, because while you do have some of the myth arc inv- involving the hands of blue guys and and mm-hmm. the what's going on with the confed what is it the Federation Confederation the Empire uh, uh, shit <laughs> Alliance Alliance yeah yeah. Uh, and other things that just never get solved. Um, you know, a lot of these are just kind of standalone, mm-hmm. and they're fun to kind of just watch any time. Yeah, what really makes Firefly for me are the characters. Uh, yeah, I think without the the specific characters that they have, I'm far less interested. It's bef- not as entertaining. Before we move on, I want to give thanks and credit where it's due. Uh, this was a truly community commission. I think this is by far the most people to step forward to commission. Uh, thanks to Keith F., Ben S., Michael B., Christina M., Balinor, Jonathan N., Drive Shaft, Shaft, uh, Windy Side of Care, Stuart G., Lee M., uh, Double E. Wren, P., Freddie C., Tyler Shumway, J.R., and J. Johnson. A lot of those, Jesus. A lot of those are, are old school uh, bald move commentators and feedbackers and whatnot. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, obviously, we couldn't do what we do without your guys' support. Uh, so having said that, uh, I also sent out a, a request for feedback 
And I got back kind I mean, you, you obviously didn't hear from everybody, but I seemed like from the stuff in the, the forum threads and the email threads that there was a consensus uh, around the pilot Serenity, hmm. Janestown, Out of Gas, and Objects in Space, which are kind of things we're going to focus on. But As far as, like, the best episodes? What, the ones they wanted us to cover, so I guess that would be the the best. And I actually agree, okay. except for Janestown, which we can talk about. Huh. All right. Uh, I, I think these are some of the best. Um, I would substitute one of the Saffron episodes in there instead of Jane's, uh, Janestown. Hmm. But since we've seen the whole series, I thought we could just talk about Firefly. Right. When did you, did you watch Firefly when it was first first ran? No, no, I don't think anybody did, and that's probably why it was canceled. Here's the thing, dude. I made it a point to, uh-huh. and I was stymied <laughs> by Fox. By Fox, because I had uh, I actually had a, a build your own DVR at this at the time. Ran with Microsoft Media Center and all this stuff. Okay, and it was continually getting fucked up by football. Uh yeah, yeah. Because the evening game would run late and it would start late, and then only get half an episode. And you know, if they famously aired out of order, which I don't know is the biggest Ugh. thing in the world, but it, you know, mm, making okay. a, a variable yeah. start time with a you know, and that's the thing, like I. I wonder if it would work better now because back in the day, if you go back 15 years, uh, that was kind of pre-fantasy football or acceptance of same. And it was, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of like geek acceptance of football as a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wonder, like having a lead-in of a possibly meaningless NFL game uh, going into a science fiction series. Yeah, a science fiction cowboy mashup series. If that did the show any favors, I, I can't would, imagine. You know, again, I, don't, I tried and yeah. <laughs> I could not. And then by the time I've I finally it started getting together, it got canceled. So right. I remember the first time I really watched it was when I first got Netflix. So I guess that was around two thousand seven, okay, two thousand eight. Yeah, I watched it around the same time. I, I had heard a lot of good stuff about it like i said 2008 9 is when i i kind of i got you know netflix around the christmas of 2008 so i probably watched it early in 2009 all right uh but i hear like you know a lot of people talking about brown coats and making all these references and i'm like you know what i need to sit down and watch this i'm a fan of science fiction uh i honestly was not a big fan of joss whedon at the time not at all, actually. Me either. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't watch Buffy. I didn't watch either. Angel. Didn't care to watch either of them. Although um, we just got a Buffy commission. Yeah, yeah. And I have since watched some Buffy, and I think it's better than I would have yeah. given it credit for. But uh, certainly had no interest in it at the time. So uh-huh. I'm like, what? Okay, it's a science fiction thing that everybody's talking about. I guess I should watch it. It's real short run. Won't be a problem. So I watched it, and I was immediately enamored with it. I just... Like, I took to the characters, the setting. Like, this is my speed. Like, science fiction universe, uh, it's got a unique twist on it. It's got a lot of heart to it, mm-hmm. which is something that I really like in my sure. my shows. Uh, and the characters are just great. And it's also a lot of action and drama mix, right? Like, sure. P- plenty of action in this in the show. I also got to say that it's a pleasure to go back and watch Firefly after I've become a fan of Joss Whedon's other works, specifically some of his Marvel thing, because you can see all of his tricks mm, yeah. in Firefly, all of his particular dialogue patterns. Uh, the like one of I think the moment where I fell completely in love with Firefly was when they played the joke on Simon, implying that uh, Kaylee had died. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was going to be bad news for him and had the slow motion shot of him running through mm-hmm. the ship to try to desperately save her to him, you know, kind of stumbling into the medical bay, still in slow motion, seeing her sitting up talking with, I think, she Book. She smiles at him, yeah. And then it smash cuts to the crew just howling in <laughs> laughter that they fucked this guy. Yeah. It, it's it's great. It's great. You don't you because don't they need any completely. dialogue, right? In, no, no. Like saying, hey, I just really screwed over Simon there. No, no. just their laughter tells you in the yeah. smash cut. And the fact that they perfect. completely sell with the intense music and the slow motion, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. this is something I don't think I've ever seen before. Right. Um, if you see a lot of like, uh, you know, the heroes after a disappointing loss sitting around a table, licking their wounds and then being inspired to greatness. Like that's a classic sure. Joss Whedon Avengers trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's it's fun. It's fun because every single thing that he's done at in 200 million dollar budget movies he did back in the Firefly day. Yeah. It's also super fun to see how much quality he was able to wring out of a very like if you see some of those sets. I mean, you can tell that they're cheaply made and they're they're cobbled together by IKEA furniture and pallets and mm. you know gilly net that they've just kind of spray painted silver. But it holds up in a way that like some of the BBC Doctor Who shit does not. Sure, yeah. Like yeah. it still looks both believably futuristic, believably frontier town, and good. Mm. It hangs together. Yeah, I mean, it helps the the setting helps him out a little bit, right? Mm. Anytime he doesn't have to show like an alliance ship, yeah. Everything else is just ragtag and kind of shambled, yeah. and put together. Uh, so yeah, the, I mean the setting the setting helps tremendously, and I like I really like. I I don't know. So I'm I almost feel like his talents are a little bit wasted in the Marvel universe, but that's only because I don't like Marvel universe stuff very much. Yeah, that's a controversial take <laughs> for sure, for sure. But like when you give him an original story to run with, and these these possibilities of of this sci-fi universe that he's got here i feel mm-hmm. like shoving him into a pre-existing universe and mm-hmm. saying like you need to do this particular thing with these particular characters might be doing him a disservice hmm. like he's so creative with that kind of stuff well and i i do i feel like interviews with him have kind of said as much that he kind of enjoyed the freedom that he was offered in the original kind of event but now that marvel has a specific yeah. continuity that they need all of their films to feed into which you know that's one of the reasons they've been so successful and one right. of the reasons no, where dc sure. is really still trying to get their fucking motor started yeah um but it also kind of hems you in like ah you know i'm con- continually making the middle part you know of a, of right. a saga which unless you're godfather 2 empire strikes back that's traditionally been rough because you don't have a beginning and you don't have an ending you just have to cobble sure. together one out of whatever your plot you're doing. So I kind of agree with that. But on the other hand, I think some of the work he's done on Avengers and some of the Marvel stuff is some of some of the most entertaining geek stuff that's sure. ever come down the pike. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel sorry one of the for best you that you, you, you're, you're colorblind to that geek part of the spectrum. Uh, I mean... I I would feel sorry for me if I were if I liked it and were unable to watch it for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean that's like literally like I feel sorry for a person's red green color blind that they don't know how vibrant a tomato hmm. looks or can't tell a stop sign whether okay. it's upside down or right. Well, you're side assuming up, or... there's some inherent vibrancy in the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've seen it. Seen this, is, this is not bastard. about Marvel. Uh, this is about Firefly. So well, how do you want to – I thought maybe it would be fun to go character by character. Well, I still want to stick with the universe a little bit here because okay, I have sure. some, some questions to ask you. What do you think about the language used in the show? 
I thought the conceit that in the far flung future that somehow the there's been an Asian renaissance that the you know China or some consortium of Asian countries have kind of achieved political and socioeconomic dominance at mm-hmm. least on a cultural level is brilliant because it makes it seem less like Star Trek. You know, sure. Star Trek yeah. is like, you know, America is awesome. Right. It kept being awesome. And now America <laughs> runs the whole fucking galaxy. How do you like that? Yeah. Um, th- th- it felt like it very distinguished itself from Star Trek. And it also, like, I'm not a big fan. One of the big fa- and one of the things I had a problem with uh, Battlestar is the whole fracking. Right. It's so fucking juvenile. It's so fracking juvenile. Okay. Somehow the very long and elaborate Chinese swears are... I, I think it's great. Really? I think it's See, great. I, okay, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. I'm I'm surprised that you have a problem with fracking after watching Firefly because they do the exact same thing. They say Goram, they say Rutten, they use other words to mean fuck and shit. And but they also have and, the very colorful Chinese expressions. They do, but that's up, additional. They're hilarious too. Oh, you can look them up. You can look I'm, them up I'm and sure. see the translation. Why couldn't you look yeah. them up? Yeah, they're Fans real language. Love this shit. <laughs> um, it's it's great. And I, yeah, you're right. The rut and the goram, not as much, but because they have, they don't have one all-purpose frack. They've got a. a it, it never okay. graded as much. Gotcha. And, and I, I don't know, goram more variety. Goram just feels like a natural, uh, you, you know, like a hiccification of goddamn. Sure. Yeah, uh, kind of like you. Have you seen Cloud Atlas? No. Like the far future English speak that uh, you know Tom Hanks is dispensing about you know the true true behind the true true. Uh, it's uh, like you okay. can tell what he's saying, but it's so pigeon English, right. And so corrupted. I feel like Goram is in that universe. It's just you've you've rounded you've sanded off to harsh corners of a goddamn, and it's Goram. Okay, Fracken really rubbed me the wrong way for a long time, but I yeah. got used to it. Uh, here, this never really rubbed me the wrong way. I was no. I was into it. Like they started using that Chinese stuff, so I I think I watched it in the Netflix run as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe, or maybe I got. Did DVD we watch it, it like contemporaneously together? I feel like it was that... pretty close. I know we didn't watch it actually together. No, because I watched it in an old apartment of mine. Yeah, I feel like we talked. We first talked about it over our weekly Magic the Gathering games. Maybe so. Maybe so. Because. I, I don't know. I watch these things in order. So I got the the pilot up front, and the way that they introduced the, the characters and the language really felt natural. Like, they started just peppering it in there immediately. Yeah. And it, it I could see that as being, like, you know, to Fox executives, oh, this this is not going to work. What What is all this language in here? People aren't going to know what that means. People aren't going to know who these characters are. What's going on? Yeah. And it's actually telling because they took... um. They recorded like voiceovers, narration for the beginning of a few of these episodes that ran yeah. early on, uh, kind of explaining the universe and the plot of the show. Yeah, it which is really strange. They're actually not there on the DVD, so I never mm. heard those the first time around. Okay, uh, but they're on Netflix, so yeah, yeah, and it's they kind of evolve over time. Like I thought it was interesting how they tried to rework Slightly, it yeah. and. They did different characters saying uh-huh. it and and yeah. that, but yeah, no, that was I thought that was interesting uh, hearing it on Netflix as well. Yeah, I, I mean, do we want to talk about like what Fox did to this, or do you have anything more? On yeah, the, no, the we universe. Can, um, like you know, the universe again is in the best kind of Star Trek, where or Star Wars rather, where you've got 
You've got right. the rebels and the imperials. You got the alliance. Yeah. It's everything sleek and and don't even look like ships. They're almost like Borg or um, Cylon. Almost like tower, like towers, like yeah. buildings. Yeah, yeah. Min is flying administrative buildings. Yeah. <laughs> then you've got the Firefly, which is one of the all time greatest. Like it's right up there at the uh, Millennium Falcon for just being cool. Man, and, I love it. Yeah. And, and yes, I will be making Han Solo versus Malcolm Reynolds comp, uh, comparisons later on. Okay, that's apt. For yeah. sure. And now it's uh, funny because the new Star Wars movie has thrown me back in confusion because I think if we had <laughs> recorded this two months ago, I'd have been like, I think who's cooler that Mal is cooler than Han Solo just from the sheer amount of footage he's got. And, you know, huh. uh, I, I feel like he's the he's the Han Solo of our of this new generation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now I don't know because hmm. Han was amazing in the new Star Wars movie. He was pretty Han. Yeah. He's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing that they throw in, besides the alliance and this resistance, whatever it is, I, yeah. there's really no resistance. It's like the Outer Rim worlds uh, didn't want to fall under the, the purview of the alliance, um, the rule of the alliance, and so they fought, and they kind of lost, you know? like the, They kind of lost. They got, they, just, they got beat. Yeah, but I say kind of lost because, you know, those worlds are still shit, and like... Do they really obey all the laws of the Alliance? Like, they're still way out in the far reaches of the galaxy. Well, it seems like that that what it did is it pushed them even out more to the fringes. Like, I I have a feeling that, you know, you had... It's kind of... I I felt like that this was very much North versus South. Okay, sure. Only, hopefully, not over something horrific like slavery. Uh, Hopefully, it's something more like... It's freedom. The show's about freedom. Yeah, but I never understood what the Alliance... Because if you look at... um, it seems like the Alliance worlds are better in every way than the yeah. uh, the, the Rebel worlds, the Browncoat worlds. Quality and, of life, certainly. Like, sure. the, 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 although there is that little fascist element that they can come and kidnap your child and play with their brains. Right. There's a lot of stuff, you know, propping up those those advancements that yes. is nefarious. Yes. Or it could so. certainly be seen by by. I don't know, independent and freedom loving people to uh-huh. be nefarious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like you know, we we still have that in this country the the tension sure. between the urban centers and the still largely untamed West. Absolutely, where yeah. you can walk out your house and see a timber wolf, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and like you're you're just a few generations from removed from not really having effective law and order and and government services, and arguably maybe they just still don't have effective government services <laughs> in those places. Sure, how do you provide effective government services when you got one person per thousand square miles like it's it's all right. open questions but right. no i that's that's interesting part of the ragtag versus the very clean uh the ultimate freedom even freedom to die horribly with no health care sure versus everything being plush and 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 very posh and nice but they might be torturing medically your sister yeah and melting her brain and you might have to behave a certain way and yeah and kind of do things their way if you want access to that uh, but the other thing, the really cool thing that they do is there's kind of a third faction, which is the Reavers. Mm, yes. And they're a bunch of people who are who explored to the edge of the galaxy, went out there, well, the saw... Because this, this is all, if you don't know, this all takes place in a large solar system. What? Yeah, you didn't know that? They don't have faster than light travel in, in Firefly. You're kidding. That the most of the worlds are going through are actually moons of gas giants and whatnot. How yeah. many planets and moons are there in this place? I because saw, like, there's, like, 29. 
You know, that might explain why it's so kind of easy to find Firefly when they sure. actually go looking for it, like yeah. in the movie. It's it's very it's very comp- everything's very wow, compressed. Okay, that changes. I mean, my it's compressed as a solar system is like right. It right. still takes still weeks a lot of to distance. get. Like especially if you go like you can get from the moons pretty quickly if you're around the same planet. But if you want to, yeah, go to a different okay. celestial body, it takes you know it can take weeks. Yeah, and the sheer number months. of places you can hide are very very slim. Yeah, especially and it the, also explains why it only took decades to terraform their their current system i guess yeah now i don't know how the the, the open question of how far like earth that was Mm -hmm. how far in the past that was um and how they um how they got from there is it the actual actual solar system system and they colonized jupiter and saturn and what i never got a good look at the big gas hmm. giants i guess right right like do they drain the gas off like leak the gas into space change the planet i don't know i don't know Uh, i don't know uh Anyway, wow. Okay, that's going to change the context of everything, I guess. <laughs> uh, but you've got okay, so you've got this other faction, the Reavers, out on the edges of the system. Yes, I guess. Uh, who who kind of went out there? Uh, the way that they describe it is, they went out to the edge of the system. They looked out. They saw nothing but space, and they went insane. Yeah. Now that's a very biased view of them. I'm sure. I'm sure there was more to it. Well, also, I think that one of the pieces of lore is these guys, because they went so far, had to flog their spaceships and get every little bit of performance and override safeties. Like, they're running with their cores unshielded, so they're exposed to radiation. Some of this stuff is just, you know, they they came by the madness, honestly. It's it's, it's mutations and whatnot. Sure. And, And, yeah, they... Some insanity mixed in there, certainly, and they kind of deform themselves and uh, yeah. deface themselves. But I, I think that adds another bit of, of interesting drama to it, right? Like, sure. you can go to a, a place in the system that is off-limits, not for not for legal reasons, but for r- safety reasons. Uh, and that always struck me as interesting, and they do a lot of that. They do a lot with that. And you can tell that they meant to do a lot more with that in the series, if, had they been given another few seasons or whatever. But in the movie, they come back to it, and they really do quite a bit with it. So you want me to blow your mind about the cosmology of yes, Firefly? Yes, I do. Uh, okay, so the system is a star cluster. Uh, it consists okay. of five main-sequence stars around which orbit an assortment of protostars, gas giants, asteroid belts, planets, and other and their moons. So it's almost like a mini-galaxy. Four of the main-sequence stars orbit a central star. So you've got a sen- main-sequence essentially means... Sun, like so, sun like. Okay. So you've got five suns to play around with, all with their planets, and then you've gotcha. got the gas. So th- it's so it's this a is much not bigger. No, 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 no. But how did they get they here call... without faster and light? Right. Did they send like a big call. Like I did. They send a big colony ship. I don't know that. Like yeah, everyone has slept at the board, or is a generational starship, or like those are questions. It's five hundred years in the future, the right? How do you know that? I want to say I read that somewhere. Okay, but I'm not it's, sure. I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember them actually establishing how far in the future it was. They say the planet went to shit. Then it sure. took decades to terraform others. Like they left, and it took de- decades. But they, that's a literal quote: yeah. decades. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Left. How long it take? To, if you don't right. have fast and light travel, how long it take to leave Earth? Like, but like you have to imagine their level of tech. Uh-huh. If it only took decades to terraform planets, uh-huh. the level of tech when they left must have been really, really high. Right. 
No, no, I agree. So it can't be like modern in, day. They got casual interplanetary travel. Right, right. I, yeah, I, I don't know. View, I view terraforming a planet as harder than fast travel between planets. I guess that's true. Okay. That, I mean, that's just my benchmark, I guess. Right but, but they're both difficult, yes. Right on. And require a lot of tech. Where uh, were we going? We're talking about the... Speaking of of the cosmology, what do you uh-huh. think about like their nicknames for for the area around them, like the verse yeah. and the black? I really just I love the use of language sure. in this show. Well, I'm gonna ask you, where do you stand on the theme song? Because like that one thing Cecily never got over is she fucking hates the theme song, and I love it. <laughs> I love it too. It's a little bare bones for my taste. I remember thinking when I first heard it, like this is the cheesiest thing I've right. ever seen, and like but within, but I, I felt the same way about the wires credit sequence. Uh-huh. And by the end, like, I fucking, like, I've got definitely my favorite seasons, um, mm-hmm. which one has the better one, but, like, I, I really like the kind of stripped down, bare nature of it. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, it feels very Western, and it feels uh, hopeful and mournful at the same time. Yeah. Like, like a, like a good country song does. Yeah. A uh, spacified country song. You actually, right. back when you did the Jonestown Jams podcast, where you tried to do an... In- I don't know what you were trying to do, but you're trying to do it yeah. in P- as NPR what if style, an NPR uh, music critic ran a a, <laughs> a geek oriented music station, right? And you actually had a really fun little re uh, what do you, a rearrangement of the Firefly theme, where someone yeah. had actually like, imagined that like the theme itself was the chorus, mm-hmm. and then there was actually verses to it. Yeah, some of them are cool. some of them are slightly cringy, but I don't know. Maybe we can use that for the. Uh, the, oh. the, the mm-hmm. opening and closing music. I'll have to go find it again. I have no idea where I got it. Uh, you want to? There's another piece of trivia that I got to get out. Um, that I don't remember where I got this, but apparently when they were doing the pre-production, the most of the assets from the Starship Troopers movie, the Casper Van Diem vehicle from long ago. Oh, I'm familiar. Uh. That became up for auction, and they bought like l- huge lots of like mobile infantry armor. And if you'll, if, uh, it, it's uh-huh. very obvious yep. as soon as you see the quote unquote purple bellies that that's just mobile infantry armor that they right. spray painted purple. That, yeah, that makes sense. And you can't unsee it once <laughs> once you see it. And they'll, they'll, every once in a while, you'll see other look choice uh, pieces of um, uh, Starship Trooper props and equipment in there as well mm-hmm. but i thought that was that's a fun little thing if you're doing a rewatch you can you can look for huh okay where well, do you want to go from here do you want to do character breakdowns so much to talk about sure let's uh start with malcolm well let's talk about Mal the Reynolds. general can we talk about the general cast of characters first because they have a typical like here's all the pieces you need to have a successful crew of a starship okay you got the doctor you got the captain you got the pilot you got the science officer i guess there's no science that's officer. that's the thing yeah you got the engineer like the only thing they're missing i think is a science officer which they don't need right <laughs> they're not doing any science and i think that um i mean that i guess I, I thought that would be fun and i think that's actually something that maybe they would have gotten to because like one of my you know i i go to i i, I look through a lot of these ensemble pieces through a star trek star trek lens like you do sure yeah or star wars lens but i also have like the patrick o'brien Aubrey ad lens and I th- mm-hmm. I think it's interesting when you have like a fighting captain and a naturalist together because that's the core duo that make that series work and it had been fun if they had moved uh 
either River to be more of a naturalist, where she's cataloging the life and how it subtly evolves, or if it has evolved since they left Earth, and like the uh-huh. different planetary environments and bug life, or maybe uh, uh, Simon could have done that too. Sure, but Simon already kind of plays the the nerd. Like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got, a doctor, even right. even though he's not actually doing any kind of really exploration of curiosity, you get a lot of that flavor to fish out of water flavor. Yeah, he's super smart. Yeah, like, you do get that for sure. But you got you know Jane and Zoe who are the badasses. Yeah, the enforcers, slightly yeah. redundant. I, that, and that's why, like, a I little don't. Bit. I think Jane. I don't really like Jane that much. Okay, he's he's good comic relief. He, and he, he also, plays the unthinking soldier, sure. whereas Zoe is playing the thinking soldier. He's also a mercenary, where she is true blue and loyal to Matt. Right, and there that Which provides a lot a of genuine menace and yeah. uh, tension in, mm-hmm. in later episodes. So I don't begrudge him. It's just out of all the crew, he's by a mile my least favorite. Yeah, I, I do really love those moments where it, like you said, the tension comes out when they're on a job, and you're like. Is the job big enough that Jane's going to fuck everybody over? Right. And try and get a reward, try and take the loot. It's uh, like, you can trust Jane, but like how big a pile of money has to be on the table right. to wear? And I feel like as the series uh, wears along, that that would probably be something they continually revisit. The fact that Jane's kind of getting to be more partial to these people. And I think in the, once they're in the movie... He's basically completely on board. Yeah, and he understands the fact that, like, this is a better way to live than I've been living my life, where yeah. it's kill or be killed, steal, backstab, betray, the fact that, you know, you've, I've kind of got more yeah. or less a family. And Mal's trustworthy. I mean, Mal's, prob- Mal's definitely the guy who wins him over. Uh, but but it's also interesting, like, the way that Mal recruits him is by paying him more than the other guys were sure. paying him. So what's to stop someone else from doing the same to Mal? Well, like that's the, again, that's, that's one of the, the central thing. tensions in their relationship. Yeah, which is I, I just love it. Yeah, uh, uh, but uh, you know, again, uh, I don't necessarily like River. Yeah, River, and that's the thing. Like, I think River could have matured into a data type character that she could say some things about humanity that might be novel or interesting. But mm-hmm. the unfortunate fact is. With the amount of time they had to give to the show and to the movies, she never really evolved much beyond the MacGuffin. Yeah. Like, she drove the the central tension of the plot of them evading the Alliance and being in danger. And, mm-hmm. and yes, it's, like, it's very cool that they turned her into one of those Wafy-style ballerina kick-ass Terminator things by the end. Yeah. But I, I, that that's where I start to, Joss Whedon starts to grind my gears. <laughs> Okay. Uh, that like he, he, he I, I feel like he's you know Firefly shows the beginning of moving beyond the strong female character equals you know wavy types that can break bones with their uh, punches and kicks. Okay, I mean, but like that's Buffy. Right? Yeah, yeah, but there are so many other strong female characters in this show. I get it. Like Morena Baccarin plays sure. Anara, completely a different, different type. Yeah, you're right. Jewel State is is also completely different. But it's weird. So, like, uh, I don't. I mean, are you done with your character archetype analysis? Because I really want to talk yeah. about Mal and the love hate relationship I have with him. Okay, do it. Because I feel like in all aspects other than his love life, he is very admirable, very cool. I'm completely on board. His right. he's got this really weird, archaic, backwards view of men female relationships, and he's constantly. I mean. I 
I never bought that him and Inara were had a real relationship because it must be based on physical looks because he essentially uh, interacts with her like a six like a, a six year old on a playground. He's constantly metaphorically pulling her pigtails, and I feel like uh-huh. she's much more sophisticated. I mean, I maybe she's attracted to his essential goodness and his strength of character, but like it's yeah to say that relationship is simple would be wrong every time he opens his mouth i gotta think that her woman parts are just shriveling up <laughs> okay maybe, he doesn't maybe respect so. her space so. he doesn't respect her desires to but be I addressed with that. respect I, I think you totally get that through their interactions right she's rolling her eyes at him every other minute yes until he does something that is is within his core character right that shows you a piece of mal that you I feel like they would have settled into a – I think they would have settled into a brother-sister type relationship just because I don't think she can take him seriously as a romantic lead. If anything, I would have loved – you know, here if – and it would have been interesting for me if this show had survived multiple seasons to see Malcolm and Saffron developing a relationship because I thought that Mm, was a fairly equal footing and they're kind of on each other's wavelength. Whereas Inara are, just seemed yeah. like she's way too sophisticated, smart, and cultured to and, – and had much too high of an opinion of herself, as she rightly should, right. to be falling for Mal's jackassery, his naked jealousy, his petulant attitude anytime that jealousy was aroused. It's just – it's uh, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It is. I feel like there's something she finds compelling about the cuteness of him. Like yeah. his – like, yeah, those things are childish. And they made a point to show that he's kind of a child to a large degree. Like, that's who he is. Right. Like, and even and back in his show war days. I will say that the show doesn't expect you to find this admirable about no, Mal. I think you're no. supposed to find this as, like, off-putting. Yeah, and Zoe does. I mean, like, everybody around him finds these things. Like, they show a scene of him in the war where not the first scene in the pilot. But yeah. when, when they go back to it, I think it's during – the one where the the dead guy shows up and oh he's not dead he's got these body parts in him or whatever an old war buddy uh they go back to that and they show mal running around with this fucking giant hand cannon like you would expect jane to and he's yeah. like screaming and shouting like come get me fools and like mm-hmm. all this really just stupid like and i say stupid in the worst possible way like could get you killed kind of stupid mm-hmm. stuff they show that he's pretty immature yeah. and he doesn't think all that well and, and he's got a lot of archer in his DNA. Some of that is endearing too, right? Yeah, like, he's got. A, think, he's got a lot of archer in his DNA. You're where right, you're he right. is yeah. a badass kind of in spite of himself. But they consistently show that he, whether it's like a almost supernatural luck mm-hmm. that he has, or he's got some kind of underlying understanding of strategy and tactics that yeah. doesn't really come out of his mouth, but it's just kind of an instinctual. I know where the best place to be in the firefight. Uh-huh. But he's really, really good at at uh, killing people and not being killed himself. Yeah. And you get the sense that maybe some of it's ingrained by his training. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's the thing that I love about these characters is sure. that all of these characters are multi-layered like that. None of them are one note. I mean, it, Jane, Simon, maybe Jane. Well, Jane. Yeah. Simon, but Jane, there are hints in Jane too, that he also has loyalty and things but, like that. But so, so that's the thing. Like, I don't mind the fact, and it makes sense that Jane and Simon are one note because they're the mm-hmm. ones that are furthest away from the other characters' right. centers, right? Yeah. So it would make sense that it takes longer than fourteen episodes to bring them to make them, 
you have other facets because sure. they're just the other. Yeah, and they're if, a mercenary and if they and a became part of the crew, fully integrated, it would seem artificial and stupid. Right. Unfortunately, they didn't have any more time. No, no, <laughs> just no, got no. cut off. But the uh, the other the rest of the crew also is multifaceted, in my opinion. I also love how morally ambiguous Mal is. Like another right. part where I fell in love with uh, Fireflies in the second episode, train the the train heist or whatever they call it. The first one that aired, which is shocking to me, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like that's a fairly good introduction to the characters, though, where he just kicks that dude into the jet intake of the right. Firefly. <laughs> Like, and then they bring up the next one, and he starts the same speech. And the guy's like, "No, no, no, I get it." Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's great, it's great. And uh-huh. he does the it's like when he says he's going to throw you out of an airlock. It's not like a Picard threat. Right. It's not even like a Kirk threat. It's not even it's like, like an Adama threat. Right? No, seriously, I'm going to throw <laughs> your ass out of the airlock, uh-huh. and I'm going to laugh when I do it. Yeah, because you have, in my estimation, deserved this death, and I will right. sleep soundly in my bunk. Right, the the killing in this is is surprising because you you get the lens of Mal as this really just good hearted guy underneath yeah. it all, yeah. and then he'll go and do something like that, and it's there's a sort of duality to him where he realizes that sometimes killing is necessary, but you don't have to kill everyone. Yep, and sometimes people don't deserve to be killed, and I, I don't know. It's just there's it's complex, and I like that. And he also is kind of a slave to his code because. For There's sure. a lot yeah. of places where he could have gotten if he had just killed first, and if he he, he could have used a right. bit more Han Solo. Um, Mal, as constructed, is a bit more Greedo fired first. Uh-huh. Where I think I you know because he goes in deals where he knows he's going to be betrayed, mm-hmm. but he's like, hey, I'm gonna you know that's I'm gonna hold up my end of the deal, and I'm like, <laughs> even Zoe's like, come on, Captain, we're gonna go see this yeah. old woman, and she's gonna fuck us. You know she's gonna fuck us. And he takes a lot more bullets and risks his crew a lot more than I think is probably strictly prudent. And it seems like does, it's not yeah. even really an alteration of his moral code. Like, no, it's not. You know, like uh, even when he says, Simon's like, don't make no mistake, if I kill you, you will be awake and you'll be facing me and you'll be armed. There's some kind of code of honor there. But what yeah. if Simon is really trying to kill you and he uncovered a plot? Like, just fucking kill him. Why well, take the risk? What if Simon is really trying to... What? So I'm saying, like, what if he finds out that Simon was trying to poison his food uh-huh. or do something else? Like, do you have to have a showdown? Like, why can't you just throw him out the airlock or kick him into the jet wash? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You can, but I feel like he'll... he'll... There's a couple pieces in where his moral code kind of comes together in the middle that they don't fully connect, is all I'm saying. Well, those are the, those are the fringes, right? He's the, the shit tough... or get off the ruthless pot, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the... it's... Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's a tough thing to – he probably doesn't even have a a complete idea of who he would and wouldn't kill in any given situation until he gets into it. I also feel like that the central thing you got to understand about Mal is that his kind of moral compass was fucked up in Serenity, the va- the Valley of Serenity. Like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That you were talking broke the movie. something good and virtuous and heroic inside him, and right. he's arguably a recovering hero. Like, he's uh-huh. – fled into cynicism and anti-hero-ness as a result of those actions, and I would expect that you he would become a more of a softy as the series went through on, and yeah. the basic goodness and cur- courageousness of humanity, you know, his view of it was restored. And he does. I mean, at the end of Serenity, the, the, the things that... Yeah, the, the movie, not the battle. Because okay. right. uh, the, the pilot's called Serenity, too. It's Right. Uh, at, at the end of the movie, Serenity... 
he essentially risks the entire life of all of his crew, his ship, everything he's got, everything he is and has for the verse, you know, to let people know what's going on here. All right. Uh, let's talk about Zoe. Zoe is a tough one for me. Like, she's a little bit of a follower, but she clearly has ideas in her head as to what she would do and wants to do that are different from Mal's. Why does she, in a civilian relationship, continue to be so deferential? Because I feel, I feel like it's comfortable, and she trusts that relationship. She yeah. she understands who Mal is and where he's going to lead her, and that's good for her. And whereas I always thought that Mal's relationship with women was totally immature, I feel like that her relationship with Walsh yeah. is really interesting and like the tension between having a woman is already kind of dominant in the relationship larger physically like all of those types of yeah Yeah. they can like you know wash can't fucking beat zoe no except for a piloting competition but not only that which is you know but the extra layer of complexity that she is so deferential and even submissive right to mal you can tell that like is that's like a it's a non-existent love triangle uh-huh. But it's still got a lot of the same flavors and jealousy. And I think that they I do love that episode where they delve into it. Yeah. And I, they get tortured. It's and... the funniest torture oriented episode <laughs> I've ever seen on television. Right. Um, but I felt like that that the fact that they even took it that where that yeah. place in the first season, I thought was impressive. Totally. Yeah. And that's that's why I'm I'm I say that there are a lot of, of things in this that are kind of some of his more interesting and nuanced commentaries about relationships and, sure. and you know, specifically like the male and female relationships and sex and all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. that we haven't got to yet. Uh, but Wa- Wash is kind of a little bit like Mal, right? He's a joker. Um, he's good kind of at this one thing, which for him is piloting. Um, he's a little bit of that, except he's less effective in battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't like he's not taken seriously by anyone really, and nor should he be. Sure, sure. Uh, until it comes to piloting, and then yeah. everyone is like, "Get us out of this!" Yes, Wash. and he's he's they they do a good job, I think, of demonstrating very early on and continuing through the series that he is is really really good. Like I mean, yeah. some of the stuff feels gimmicky, like the crazy Ivan and some of the other stuff he does, but. It's a good Everyone use of has the kind of transform- Picard maneuver. Like it, it, it's much better than the fucking Picard maneuver, which uh, doesn't even make sense. Right, right. Like the fact that Picard's the f- if that would work in battle, the fact that he's the first person that that thought of using that uh-huh. is an indictment of all of Starship right commanders. It's an indictment of Captain Kirk. Kirk yeah, for sure. Like yeah. Captain Kirk's not going <laughs> to be fucking perfecting that and the, the Kobayashi Maru simulator. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um. But that stuff felt pretty quasi plausible in a you know yeah and a lot of the time they're in the atmosphere so you get a little bit of a, a yep, different a difference between perspective yeah, on what you can space do. travel sure sure um but yeah i i don't know wash is he's good for comic relief i'm his jealousy kind of gets in the way a lot of the time there is uh, the only thing i would say about wash is i think he would be i know this is probably a controversial opinion but I feel like that Walsh suffers a little bit on the twee side of do I really believe this guy's got plastic dinosaur animals that he plays with right. at his console? Like, I believe that he would have them on his console. Like, the way, you know, I got toys sure. all over this office that I just have for looking at and uh-huh. fond memories. But I don't get, I don't get, 
Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck down and fight a scrimmage <laughs> on my battle, or I don't get Darth Vader and the uh, Hound down and have uh, that's that's just come on, man. Mostly because we know who would win those battles, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's like uh, it's weird because I felt like it's I don't know, it's weirdly mocking its audience, like that you know, it's like a uh, little yeah yeah mm. like you know people mm. people that collect action figures and video games like i you know are, are called man children and woman children and then to actually have them get down and play with them as if they're children with no children you know that's the other thing it's like it's fun to play with toys with your kids it's super fun yeah i mean he's got the of of all the characters he has that kind of child spirit the most i guess and you a jewel state uh kaylee she also has a little bit of that and river has a different type of that um kind of well, a child's river, wonder I, at the universe see because she's so she is young limited. she's and she's, she's 17 also... years old in the movie yeah oh is she yeah oh i thought that part of that was that she's older but mentally she's stuck in where the age she was abducted at. no she's a, a from what i gather a not much younger sister but a fairly fairly younger sister they specifically say she's 17 huh. in the movie so well that's the problem with summer glow is like is she right. 30 is she right. 12 fuck if i know this terminator is coming at me what yeah. what age is she <laughs> yeah exactly um where was i going but the, the problem i think with the, especially with walsh and, and again these are all you got to take these as minor criticisms from right. a person who fucking loves the show but i feel like there's already enough disdain towards walsh from his wife zoe who's already so much more of a capable character that is a uh, that's a fucking plastic dinosaur too far. Okay, you know he wouldn't want uh, Zoe to see him playing with these dinosaurs. I wouldn't think, or would he thing, not care? Well, would he not realize that? Who that's... does that? And, sure. And sure. again, like it's super <laughs> funny when it's cursed your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Uh-huh. I get it, but it's almost like um, Josh Whedon's like, I've got this really funny line of dialogue. I need some idiot to say it. Uh-huh. Walsh or Jane. Yeah, one of the two. It seems like he's those are the consistent outlets for just like funny stuff that he wants yeah. to get out there, and he can't have Mal say it because it would harm his whatever. He's and Zoe obviously can't say it because she does doesn't traffic in jokes. Yeah, um, yeah, that's my criticism of Walsh the character. Okay, uh, can we talk about? I feel like he's there are characters who are more and less complex. Complex. I feel like. Maybe Zoe is one of the less complex characters, like in in her own mind. Like I think she's got a lot of stuff on the meta going for her. Yeah, that's complex and not shown a lot in TV shows. But like personality wise, mm-hmm. I feel like she's one of the most straightforward characters. Sure. Can we talk about before we get too much further? Because I want you know, I feel like we're going to get there if we don't do it explicitly. What is our favorite characters? It's hard not to love Mal. I think everybody loves Mal. Sure. Uh, if I were going to rule out Mal... Because that's the obvious choice. Right, right. Uh, that becomes a real tough decision because I kind of like them all. Like, Mal's kind of on level one and then everybody else is level two with maybe an occasional level three. I, I really... I like... Uh, so, I... I, I Shit, that's tough, it's, man. And here's the thing, like, what would I say in season five of Firefly... It's hard right. because, you know, this thing would have gelled and everything would have gotten so much more richer. But if I had a gun to my head, mm-hmm. I don't think I could pick. I, I would either say, depending on the day, Shepherd Book or Wash. Even after I talked all that but, shit about Wash, 
and talk shit about Book because he never realizes his potential. There's so much potential but that's the in the thing. character of Book. Book is uh, Book is never maybe explored. the most interesting person on the show. He like, has the most interesting backstory that you never hear about. Yep, yep. He's Boba Fett. He is this show's right, Boba Fett, and right. that's the thing that really stings my ass the most is that. But it's also the reason I can't give him like favorite character status because I, I don't just know anything about him. Like he's got so much potential, but it's not realized. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I kind of feel I, the same about the Doctor, though. I feel like maybe Kaylee. Kaylee's a uh, really, I don't know. I feel like she, Ron Glass though brought so much to his character that even yeah. though he is incomplete and a lot of his ultimately awesome things are just hinted at, the fact that he can play kind of a badass and you've got that like wow he might have been James Bond once upon a time. Right. The fact that he's also very funny. Like I think some of the funniest uh-huh. moments are when he's really giving it the mal about the special hell uh-huh. in the first Saffron episode. <laughs> he and sure. he's also very like you know he's one of those weirds like I'm kind of naturally in, disinclined to like. Religious figures. Sure. Um, well, I'm kind of mal that way. But the fact that he's kind of sincere and sane. Do we we find out that he's not actually a shepherd, right? Like, yes, he's a religious man, but somebody – I think it's in the movie. Somebody – it might be the Alliance guy, the assassin, that, that says – you you think that's a shepherd? That's not a shepherd. But that's the thing. Like somebody he, says that is that a literal statement of fact, or is that like a you know saying that he's there's right. more? He's not just a shepherd. If the, you know right. shep, your your mind of a shepherd is this, but this guy is so much more. I took it as the latter. I mean, he's this. So he's this former warrior monk. Like, Which, by the way, it has also blew my mind that assassin guy is played by uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Right. Yeah. Seven or twelve years a slave. How I, he always it's, ninety. Years I, I always I don't know whether short change too many years. I, I want to let him off easy. Seven years a slave. Yeah. Um. Ha. I. Yeah. He's. I mean, you got one of the turns out best actors of right. this generation slumming it in this movie essentially because he hadn't got his big break yeah yet. he wasn't famous yet so like but he's amazing uh-huh and it's also funny because i felt like there's a lot of that energy that um what was jubal the, the the bounty hunter in the last episode of firefly yeah um they both have kind of like the stoic um but fluid grace and you know there's definitely there's there's villainous things about them but they also have some kind of nobility as well i thought it was interesting it's almost like Joss Whedon liked Jubal so much, but that guy's dead. Right. He's frozen in a space <laughs> Can't bring him back. So let's get uh, a Geofor out here and see what he can do. Yeah, and he was more of a philosopher than I think uh, the assassin was. Sure. The bounty course. hunter was a little more of a philosopher, although maybe a philosopher in in uh, in name only. I think once River started getting to him, he got a little confused. Going back to book, but, though, but I, I also thought before... he functioned as a father figure. To almost okay. the, the whole damn crew. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he was kind of a... I don't know. I don't know if you need this. I don't know if I would even want this on a ship, but he was a, a spiritual counselor, you know? And and I don't mean spiritual in, like, the ghost and boogeyman type like sense. Ethics and morality. Yeah. Metaphysics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, morale and, and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, he he was a counterpart. I think that Mal needed to keep this crew together. Yeah, because uh, Mal was just going to push them to their limit. Yeah, in in service of 
keeping the ship going yep. and then making money. But this guy could kind of take it down a notch and say, here's some, some spiritual nurturing that you need at the given moment. Uh, okay, another... The assassin. Before we move too far from the assassin. Okay. You, you see that, that the people in the Alliance are pretty cold, and I feel like that was the perfect, uh, I don't know, big bad for that movie. Like, when you see what, what the Alliance represents. Sure. I think that just... The guy who cannot be rattled, the guy who comes in as kind of a force of nature and just destroys everything in his path, uh-huh. that that felt real good in, yeah. in the final movie. Um, the only thing is, I don't know that I believe that Mal could beat him. Right. They 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 pulled a little bit of a Deus Ex Machina on us yeah. with that nerve cluster thing. Yeah. I don't think that's ever mentioned in the series. It. I mean, I. I it is right. Um. I want. I, I mean, I ultimately I give it a pass because it was clever and funny, and I, I absolutely believe that Mal would have had that nerve cluster removed. Right. Uh, if that's such a thing that you can. But I wish there do. was some foreshadowing for it. Sure. That would have sold it for me. Um, yeah. As it stands, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a. I think it's a little cheap. Yeah. Um. But once once you buy into that nerve cluster thing, I totally believe in that moment he beats him. Yeah, I guess. It's a little bit like uh, uh, Kirk beating the Gorn. Which you know is a much, right. but but he built you know he had the ingenuity to yeah. build a bazooka, potato gun, sure. Whereas Mal <laughs> just had the good fortune to have a war wound that made him pr- proof against this guy's five finger exploding palm technique. You yeah. Know? And how did you feel about like the actual way that they disabled him? Like I thought he broke his back. Now is t- future tech with the doctoring just that good? I imagine that they can fix his back completely. I imagine because he walks out of there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, field really in the field they can do that. I suppose I mean, he I has suppose. like he's got like I mean, they patch up Zoe pretty well. And she well, I'm just thinking that he's back. also got the best of medical technology, and also I don't think he's fully human. I think he's been augmented and advanced, and we already Ooh, see a lot of okay. instances where the blue like what's up with the Blue Men group? Right, they've got some kind of magical powers that can you know technological magic head. that can yeah. yeah make blood shoot out your ears and nose and eyes and uh-huh. so i feel like that there is more to him than meets the eye and I think also you're right. that yeah. like it would have been neat to find out like i bet he's not the only ninja slash spy slash assassin yeah. slash fixer slash cleanup man and i wonder if that would be a class of enemy Probably that you know, just kind of like the Reavers are an archetype of enemy, and you've got the Alliance Mooks, but then you've got the Blue Men Group, and you've got the these these you know motorcycle suit wearing assassin guys with mm-hmm. ninja blades. Um, yeah. All right. Where, where else were you? Uh, another contender for favorite, uh, Kaylee. Kaylee is a complex character. Like she on the surface, she seems to be this this fairy whatever. Twee, the, the oh, archetype the, that you always talk about. Yeah, pixie the, girl. The manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, yeah. Except for I don't think she's manic. She's, she's definitely the she's pick, she's definitely pick she she's the grounded video game playing uh she's she's every nerd's wet dream, essentially. Yeah. Without she's the manic a good looking yeah. female engineer. Yep. Uh so she's smart, she can can hang with the guy talk, whatever. Yep. She also has this really complex relationship with sex though. Like her and Simon's relationship is not Simon, what I would say. Simon, what the fuck typical. is wrong with Simon? I don't know. He's a fucking idiot. I mean, he. 
I mean, there there is your like fir- if you're there... going in for a kiss and somebody walks down the hall past you, yeah, continue going in for that kiss, yeah, right after, or invite her down to your nifty little quarters <laughs> that like right. has a fold in staircase. It's so fucking awesome. No, right. dude, I I think that's an indictment of the core worlds mm-hmm. that's that Simon doesn't get down with Kaylee. <laughs> I get it's only 14 episodes and whatnot, but right. there's your A one evidence about what a totalitarian <laughs> nightmare it is. You can't right. see. Uh yeah, oh, man. No, I the other thing that's kind of weird about her is that she's also got a childlike innocence. Yeah, that makes like um, I don't know. Her feelings can be hurt rather easily. Well, that's um, fine. Which is part of that innocence. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I I just think like there's something more to her. Like the combination of having a very matter of fact relationship with sex, which even irks some of the people you might expect. Uh, wouldn't be irked by it. Sure. Like when well, she's talking about in the movie, haven't had anything Twixer in nether. my nethers yeah. that doesn't have batteries and sure. how long, and Mal's like, what? He gets all huffy so about, Mal's like about her, it. Mal's like, he, 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 not his father, it's like an older brother relationship. Right, yeah. Uh, it's, I, I don't know. I find that funny. And, yeah. and somewhat endearing that, like, for, from a character perspective, where she doesn't need to be all you know, uptight about sex and stuff. And there are a lot yeah. of characters like that in this show. Uh-huh. Uh, Simon is not one of them. Good God, Simon is not one well, of Simon them. Simon has an idea of what Corton is like. And Ugh. also, it's like, so what is his deal? Is he, re- does he think Kaylee is beneath him? Certainly at first. Uh, like, he thinks all of these people are beneath Sure, him. sure, sure. Yeah, So yeah. she's lumped into that. I think as the crew as a whole grows on him, he starts to, obviously, obviously, he starts yeah. to unwind a little bit. Yeah, I just, that's the thing. It's like but yeah, I, I think he has some kind of class thing instilled in him Yeah, um, from growing up rich. and that, I think that's a big, well the big thing that's standing in the way of their kind of relationship is yeah. the fact that he's just got too much of an upper crust stick up his butt and he's concerned yeah. for his sister maybe like what would my parents think that sort of thing wasn't there wasn't there an episode that suggested that maybe his sister is not totally cool with simon pairing off with a woman or am i imagining that uh, i don't remember that you've seen it more recently than i have yeah i don't, I don't like, remember I think that you, part you, but like in the last two weeks I, you've seen this like, yeah but i also background watched it uh, the majority of it as much as i could see I, th- I i felt like that there was some hint that maybe he was concerned with how river would uh, deal with him shacking up with someone. Maybe they might have they might have gotten at that briefly. Um, shall we talk about his sister? Yeah, again, she's hard she to suffers. like. Suffers like I don't. I've never been a big fan of uh, Summer Glau. Okay, like, I actually liked her in the Terminator uh-huh, as when too. you're just playing a straight up robot. Like mm-hmm. I felt Terminator Chronicles. I think Sarah Connor. Sarah, Sarah Connor, Connor Chronicles. Chronicles. Yeah. Um, and I and, and I guess this is a decent role for her, but. She's so fucked up, yeah, that it's almost annoying. You, you certainly can't identify with her as a character. No, I don't There's... know what it's like to be a prodigy that's been turned into a weapon. Right, it's right. a cool concept. But as a MacGuffin, sure. I think, yeah, like you said, she she's fine. the MacGuffin. She works uh, really well because it's something they can't ditch without ditching Simon, and he's their doctor. And it's hard to ditch a doctor in this situation. Like that's a pretty good like chain keeping right. her attached to the Firefly. Well, I mean, I don't know, because she's essentially giving the same perf- performance that Newt does in the movie Aliens, 
And I like nudes. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. But there's something about particularly the type of quavery voice that she's using that reads annoying to me. Whereas if I felt like um, – I think that I would have no annoyance at all if she was just more zoned out. Is there something about like that sense of awe at the universe that maybe someone as smart as her wouldn't have? Hmm. She but would I don't be know more much, analytical about yeah, it. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know, know how much brain damage. That's the thing. Right. Like she's right. she's she's psychotic. And then and you got brain those fucking Carl and, Sagan's, and it doesn't. Yeah. You don't have to preclude wonder to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be in, super intelligent, sure. Yeah, but um, yeah, who knows? Like it's again. Um, I would have. It, it it'd be interesting to see what they'd done with her over years. Yeah. Uh, Instead of just flipping a switch in the yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Who else we need to talk about? Although Have when they ta- flip that switch, I really do, really do enjoy her kicking some Reaper ass. I guess I, I, feel I do. Like, yeah, she's a dancer, so she pulls off the choreography really well. But that's the problem; she's a dancer. Oh, so is Jean Claude Van Damme. He pulls off choreography really well. Fight yeah, choreography. But he's also he's also a buff dude. Like I, she's yeah, the honestly, female. Jean- okay, she is small. Yeah. So here's the thing: if you're going to have a girl kicking ass like that, I feel like right. they have to be uh, along the lines of the heroine from the new Star Wars. Or Starbuck. Like that, that's probably that's a part of the reason I like Starbucks so much in Battlestar. Yeah, both of those, felt both in, those women like, feel physically. Sturdy. Yeah. Yes. And like I saw a video of um ah shit, Daisy Ridley who plays uh shit, I've forgotten her name, Ray in the new Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. She can like clean and jerk 180 pounds, man. That's way more than I can do. She's got like you know, you can tell <laughs> she's got the shoulders and the trice. So it's like you could see there's some power there. Whereas, she doesn't really look like it, but I guess she's next to but, uh, I mean, Finn, I mean, but, who's but look a big at her, dude. But, but look at yeah, but I mean, but look again, just look at her neck and her shoulders and just right. kind of her frame. Yeah, there's yeah. you know that stuff is all sinewy and well put together. Okay. Um, say same way with the Starbuck, and in a way that Summer Glau is just a bundle of sticks. Right, right. She is eighty pounds soaking wet, and I don't care how much advanced technique she's got. Uh-huh. You're not going to kick a three hundred. I mean, yeah, suspend disbelief, blah, whatever. <laughs> it's my sure. You know, my bugaboo. Yeah. I think it's dumb when fantasy girls wear bikini chainmail bikini armor, and I think it's dumb when skinny ballerinas kick ass. Sue me. Okay, <laughs> but the other parts of the sci-fi universe, no problem. Hey, look! Fuck you, man! Because you got the, you got the same problem going reverse with like being able to deal with Norse gods and whatnot. It's true. Makes it's sense true. to me. Uh, what else do we want to? I do want to talk Simon? about like what our favorite episode is going to be. But well, we haven't gotten uh, yeah, our I guess Simon. Say Simon and Jay. I mean, Jane. Simon's nice pretty one note. He yep. does have like a tough side to him later on yep. a little bit to stand up for his sister, but like that's about all he's got going on. Yeah, he's super smart. He kind of you know has to defer to everyone because he needs to be on this ship yeah i don't know not a lot to simon in my opinion uh jane is i I, people must love him because a lot of not a lot to him either i agree my favorite moments when he took vera out and dressed her up when the, the, he put his, his gun in the spacesuit so he could make that shot of the guys were trying to oh, s- snare him. Oh, Ver- I'm like, who's Vera? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right, his, his rifle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was a nice that was a nice moment and some, that was sweet, some clever yeah. dialogue that they almost never give him. Right. I really like Janestown. I think Janestown is a great episode, uh, and it shows off the side the sides of two characters. Like it shows me a different side of two characters that I didn't see before. How so? Uh, Jane, obviously, Jane, obviously he, his arc through that I think is really good. But Simon, like Simon's reaction to Jane being a hero on this planet is priceless. Hmm. Like maybe it doesn't show me another side of him, but it's, 
he can't his head is exploding yeah, yeah. from this new information. He can't believe it. Yeah. And just the way that actor portrays it is so so good. Uh can we talk about Christina Hendricks at the peaks of her power. Oh, okay. She's throwing yeah, 105 mile that, an hour please. fastballs. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I I mean, I was familiar with her before I got into Mad Men. Like, probably just. And I remember, like, holy hell, there's Saffron. Okay. Uh, I think she's incredible. She's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, there again, like, I believe that Christina looks kind of sturdy and she's got the companion-esque training and she she beguiles people and then kicks their ass. Like, that's uh-huh. something that I believed her in a, in a... And she also, like, one of my favorite TNG characters is the Voss character that's the kind of Indiana Jones-esque scoundrel that beguiles Picard. And right. he's got this, like, right. I know this is a, this. I'm the frog taking the scorpion across the river, but <laughs> goddamn it, I'm going to do it every time. Uh-huh. And... He knows it's a bad idea, but there's something so attractive about her, and she has affection for him, but she's still going to fuck him over. Probably yeah. not kill him. Yeah. She doesn't want him to come to harm, but she's also not going to be destitute for his, his stupid ass either. And there's I felt a like respect that, there, too. Mutual respect. I, I felt like I, I want to see Saffron become a recurring character in a perfect world. Of course, she might have. What would happen is she would have landed. I don't know. That's an interesting what if. Does yeah. she become Joan Holloway if, right. if Firefly is still five seasons, going seven on? Seasons. Yeah. Because that seems like Joan Holloway is I, – I, is, I feel like if it was offered to her, uh, she would have gone with that because that's, a, that's steady work, whereas she at best is going to be a recurring guest star unless they integrate – it would yeah, be fun I mean, to integrate her into the crew. That'd, that'd be, be cool. interesting. Uh, and I could also see like if she becomes a known name from Firefly – she maybe yeah. doesn't get the call for Joan Holloway because it's a different character, yeah. right? Like, maybe she just, they don't see the same qualities in her that they saw before. Yeah. I don't know. Who's to say how it would have changed it? But yeah, I, I do like, I think Christina Hendricks' performance in this is amazing. Uh-huh. Uh, she, and, and it's got a range to it, right? Yeah. Like, she plays this very quiet, submissive, mousy girl. Just straight Grifton Mal. Right, right, right. And then turns into this kind of badass assassin girl like and i, I also love her moment with uh inara in the first episode right. where she tries that and inara realizes she's like you're really good you're amazing and yeah. they start trying to kick each other's ass <laughs> yeah let's talk about inara we haven't talked about her yet um this is a super interesting character for me because it's it's a reversal of what you would expect a uh a whore as mal mm-hmm. calls her to be companion yeah they call them companions here which is essentially a analog for a geisha right well in, in japanese society I it seems like there's also a little bit of a diplomat. Sure. It's yeah. like geisha it's 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 geisha plus. Like uh, absolutely, yeah. Like a geisha with that kind of cultural baggage but also a measure like a, a, a ton of respect. And I I thought that was interesting like that the this... most respect I think of anyone in the verse. Yeah. Like you see a companion it's almost like a king like royalty has walked into Sure. The room. Uh, which I think is interesting that what yeah. that says about sex workers and like unionization and legalization and all kinds of things. Yeah, but not all sex workers. Like there are multiple classes of sex workers. There are whores, and and Inara herself calls like when they go to that planet um, where they've got to defend this baby sure. from this. So what of them was ruler. a disgraced companion? Like there's I think uh, a companion that like didn't choose that life, washed out of companion school. 
I, I think like yeah, I'm thinking yeah. like what is like I think it was is, a is, is they got like a yeah. Navy SEAL style hell week for like right. where you're just right. rolling around in pits full of dudes and girl <laughs> women and like you know you ring uh, the bell you don't want to fuck that person just ring the bell while you're answering obscure trivia and cultural <laughs> yeah. questions yeah you have to fix tea <laughs> while you're being spit roasted and yeah I, I it's who knows but Inara herself calls these people whores yeah they're just simple they're simple so whores. like. And they don't get respect, obviously. I think Inara has a certain respect for them. But is that because, because they're outside of the cultural sphere of the core? or is it? I don't know. Yeah, like that, they're just that's like, a good question. Like, it, would they be courtesans in the inner worlds and they're whores because there just isn't? Because that's the thing. Like, right. Mal doesn't respect companions. He knows other people do, which is why he carries one aboard. Exactly. Uh-huh. But... Yeah, but it, I think that's, that's interesting to flip the sex worker uh, career on its head like that. Sure. And 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 have some a lot of respect for these people. I think she would have been a much more interesting character down the pike too if this series had gone on because she's a bit of you know one note as well. I love. Yeah. I think you know I can't say enough about the fireflies design, just how cool it is because it's also got the two detachable craft that she's right. turned into her like parlor. Uh huh. Super cool. Super cool. And she goes off when they land on a planet and does her thing in a, yeah. in a shuttle. Uh, but I, the other thing is like never. Very few times that I feel like I was getting the real Inara. Like, does Inara enjoy mm. braiding Kaylee's hair? Or is she, like, as a companion, that's one thing I thought was interesting about her character is, like, when she, does she subconsciously become the type of person that she thinks the other person wants her to be? Like, what is the real right. Inara? I, I I felt like we got some real moments with her and Mal. Sure. Like, Mal's kind of the thing that breaks down her of, exterior. Sure, but that that's, I'm think, I mean, by sh- weight of screen time, number one, she's one of the, I feel like she got some of the least screen time of any of the main cast. But also, did, yeah. like, the majority of the time she's on, like, I ha- remember asking open questions about when she was interacting with people. It's like, is this how she would choose to interact, or is this kind of, like, is yeah. she on autopilot companion training most of the time? Yeah, specifically when you mentioned that Kaylee thing. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I do like that they didn't make her a badass. Like, not all of the people on this boat have to be a badass. Wasn't uh, she though? Because I felt like she could have fought. She got her ass kicked by the. I mean, she's certainly not on the level of Mal, and she's certainly not on the level of uh, River or even Zoe. Like, but I felt like if you gave her a sword, she could fuck shit up. I or, like don't there was some. Think so. Like she fought that assassin with Mal, and she got her ass just handed to but her. Never she... even landed a blow. What, what, so what happened between her and Saffron? Uh, Saffron took a swing, she dodged under it, and Saffron runs into the shuttle. Okay. All right. Because, like, She never hit Saffron at all. Okay, okay. Like, she dodged a punch. She dodged a kick, I think. But there was something about... I thought they had mentioned it. Like, they had some kind of... If if not... Like, combat training? (laughs) Well, like, specifically with a sword. Like, am I completely imagining these things? Maybe, because there was one episode where Mal Mal had had to duel a guy. And I thought Uh, that there was... It came up And was she giving him advice or whatnot? Yeah, like, whether it was ceremonial or whether they actually did that as some kind of calisthenics training. I felt like that they did. Maybe, but she's the least of the badasses, maybe aside from Kaylee, right? Or Or Simon. Simon. Or Wash. They're definitely jockeying for the bottom bottom half of the badass, yeah. Right, right. Um, but not everyone on the boat has to be a badass, and I like that. But I also like, you know, I think that's one of my favorite episodes, Trash, the one where the second episode of Saffron, where the structure of that thing is very, you know, memento, Pulp Fiction, where you get different bits, uh-huh. and you see Mal naked on a planet, and you think he's gotten the best of it. And they, they, they play with right. who is actually going to win the episode several times in a way that def- never feels like... 
you know, I never rolled my eyes. I never thought any of them were stretches. It just felt like two very clever, devious people out clevering and deviousing each other. Yeah, trying to get to the reward. Yeah, and it's great. It's a great, it great is a good, uh, good heist betrayal type of movie. Speaking of of episode, playing rather. with the structure, uh-huh. my favorite episode, Out of Gas, and I think this is pretty non-controversial. Certainly. I freaking love this episode. I'm a sucker. Everybody knows my favorite episode of Star Trek Next Generation is All Good Things. I, th- I think that is a perfect cap to to a series. It takes you through it takes you through the tour of the before, now, and after of all these characters, mm-hmm. past, present, future, and that's a, a little bit of what Out of Gas does too. It shows you how all these characters met as Mal's trying to make his way to the engine room to fix this thing. Mm-hmm. It also has the added layer of like, oh, not only is he running out of air, but he's shot. How did he get shot? Like. How did he get into the situation he's in? I think the structure of it is brilliant, and the tour of of all these characters meeting is kind of the icing on the cake for me. Yeah, yeah, I like that as well. Okay, it's, uh, it almost is structured like a clip show, like you know the, the kind of, but yeah. but it's not because it's all new information, right? But yeah. I think it's that's kind of cool how you can take like you know Star Trek did several clip shows, take that structure and just replace the flashbacks with you know you've got this one linear story that's tying all these together and instead of just flashing back to previously on yeah. you actually show new material yeah as he moves through the ship you see yes. the, the places where all these people live and yeah. how they met like and... it's like everything was like triggering these memories yeah no that was really great almost like you you're inside mal's brain as he's as he's dying his way through the ship what do you think of objects in space? Because I remember thinking when I first saw like Kylie commandeer his before you knew what she was doing, like oh shit, River, yeah. I I buy, bought in her character enough that I kind of could think that she could somehow merge with right. Firefly, become the ship. Like she's the ghost in the uh-huh. mach- the, the shell now. It, in order for that episode to work, you have to believe that. Yeah, you have to like they have to keep River enough of a mystery. And they do, and even about even Jubal starts to buy it, right? Yeah, like yeah. not entirely, but he also can't entirely dismiss it either. And then she, you know, leaks a little too much info, and he's like, yeah. "You're on my ship." Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's another really good episode. I, I felt like there was some kind of metaphor do you think there. That he would have ever come back, Jubal. Yeah, because they made it pretty clear in the episode that I, they were off the beaten track, and that no one. I can't imagine that anyone would find him. In time to actually save him because right. I mean, he's in a spacesuit. If if you want bl- us to believe the premise of Out of Gas and you want us to believe that that guy comes back, I, those things are mutually exclusive to me. It's too bad because he was a very memorable character. It'd he was. Be like, yeah. if, it'd be like uh, you know the Borg if, uh-huh. or Khan if they were just a one shot and they, they, you killed him. And I could see him coming back for a sort of revenge yeah. um, if if there was any plausible way that he could. I mean, that's the thing. Like, they could always have written something. I know. He's, he's picked got up a powerful space transfer. He actually whatever. is the, you know, uh, the, there's a mercenary guild that he's a bounty hunter guild that has free pickup service. He, I'm sure it's right. what's sufficient right. cause. And I think, I, I'm trying to think as a fan, I would have been eager to overlook any implausibilities. Right. It would have been like, Anara rolling her eyes at Mal, but ultimately, you ever okay, think about Mal. how terrifying that would be to like it's already be floating free in space. It's already scary <laughs> enough to be in low Earth orbit, like around the the International Space Station, and become detached. Oh, to jump from ship to ship, yeah. But but not only that, but um, 
in the deep space where you like even the sun is a kind of a pinpoint like what would that be like to be in interstellar space and mm. just be adrift like without a ship yeah like that's, i mean you're dead that's one of the, yeah but i, I mean know. it's it's a very terrifying way to die like right. i feel like there a might lot be of stuff going through your head. there might be you know just like you get the sensory deprivation sense because you're you're not even i guess you'd be in microgravity but like you ah, man i i feel like it feels like being buried alive to me yeah it's that you would go crazy before you might go crazy before you die i got i got that feeling just watching him jump from his ship to the other mm, right. if firefly in that moment speeds up slows down goes up down right left you're any direction any change of course and yeah. he's done he's yep. gone yep that to me is a very scary thing. Sure. Uh, so, like after the fact, I feel like you all you have is time to think. Yeah. All you can do is think about your life. Think what about was, your choices. What was his last words? Well, here, uh, uh, something like "Well, here I am," or yeah. "Well, I'm here now." Or so, yeah, I don't I remember exactly. It was, it was some nice rhythmic Joss Whedon mm-hmm. poetry thing. I could have done with a 30-second long Chinese swear word, too. Right, right. <laughs> That's the other thing we didn't talk about with language is just how flowery and and just awesome the dialogue is in this. Like, it's kind of like, a, you know, a, a, a spaceified, justified. Yeah, yeah. You had a lot of the same kind of speechifying and Boyd versus Raylan patois going on between the regulars. And you also had guys like, uh, is it, it was Anissa? The the vaguely Russian gangster that was on the space station to love torturing people. Oh yeah. Um, you also had and he was a an entirely like that. different yeah. kind of cultured badass. He was yeah. And you had uh, was get the a, feeling that he's read a lot of books, but he's was still a the, gangster. Was was the kind of like Coxney slang bowler hat wearing uh, badger? Badger, yeah. not bulger. Uh, yeah, they didn't use it too much though. That like, was it. Never felt like it went overboard. But before. that was a great thing. Yeah. Like. You know, there was uh, there were some great characters like that in Star Trek around. I'm trying to think of um, who the scoundrel in the old series that was involved in the Tribbles and Harry Mudd. Like, oh, he always yeah, felt yeah, like, yeah. this guy doesn't exist in the Star Trek universe. Right. Whereas the charm... But he's still awesome, so mm-hmm. he kind of rule a cool it. Uh, whereas everyone in... Fi- like, Firefly is such a big universe as far as character-wise and... The, yeah. the the culture. different class yeah. and cultures that you could go and see any manner of dress and any manner of person and they all seem believable. Yeah, it's a stew. As it, long it really... as you gave them dialogue that wasn't shit, that they they would be <laughs> fine in. Yeah, and I never felt like he gave them shitty dialogue ever. No, it, it always felt like Joss Whedon is one step ahead of me as far as what I want the these characters to say, as far as understanding the characters in the situation and what. I want them to do in this situation. Yeah. Uh, so we got some feedback. I wanted to, a lot of it was redundant. Um, in particular, we got some stuff from EVS and uh, Christopher R. Um, I want to get start with in on some of this stuff. It said, do you think that the series was aired out or the fact that the series was aired out of his intending viewing order affected the popularity of the series while on the air? I think it might be more the football thing you talked about, but yes, yeah. I absolutely think it fucked it up. Because if you look at the introductions of characters, there aren't any in Train Job, right? I mean, you you don't get any official like introductions. Whereas the the, However, the pilot Serenity, don't you feel you like introduced to everybody? The 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 
procedural nature of the show, I think, helped out in that I think, like, like it, a it's, little bit, it's yeah. a lot more damning if you show s- episode four of The Wire right, first. Sure. Whereas this, it's kind of designed to where you, at any time you can pick it up and you're dealing with these archetype of characters. Yes, you'll get some, and there is some stuff with the mythology of the Blue Man group and and all that that you won't understand until you watch the whole thing. But I felt like that was always an overblown thing. Um, I don't know why Fox did it. I don't know why. But it, it's clearly shown that they understood that this was going to be confusing for the audience because they put those narrations in. Sure. Like, I don't know that you need the narration when you have that first episode. Well, like, but also... get, okay, I, Spaceport, and they're picking I, up all these I think that's overblown, and, too, because it's. I felt like that that introduction was along the lines of space, a final frontier. These are the void... Like, that's just the... Right, right. The setup. But But, like... The episode that should have been the pilot clearly shows you how all these people got on this ship. I get it. It shows you relationships. It shows you who the fuck Mal is. It shows you how he knows Zoe. Like, it makes that episode feel like a flashback when you air them out of order, yeah, and it doesn't whatever. feel right. I mean, Out of Gas is everybody's favorite episode, and it does the exact same thing. It goes back and deepens. This was the 11th. The pilot was the 11th know, episode saying, they all, ran. All it does is go back and deepen your understanding of where these characters go for, and I don't feel like showing episode two out of, in front of episode one was a fatal blow for the show. I think they're fucking around the schedule was. I, okay, I don't think it was fatal. But I think it's suboptimal, it, but so much less of an offense the than the other shit the that they season. pulled. Okay, all right. Um, also, I don't know why. I. It seems like Firefly is one of those things, or like all television shows, a lot. And I know you can get in a trap of like, you know, if AMC treated Breaking Bad and Mad Men the way that Fox treated Firefly. We never would have gotten in second seasons of those shows right. either. Like yeah. some of these shows, and maybe it was like just terribly expensive, and Fox didn't really want it anyway. Or I, I don't know. I haven't really done a lot of study about the politics of it, but it seems crazy that you would throw it out there and give it the beating that it did, and and hack it up, and then show it just all willy nilly. I mean, they did this shit with X Files. Like that's the thing. Like. I felt like some of the stuff that they that, that some of the later seasons of X Files kind of fell afoul of as well, and they had this like you know, hey, if we do this, it does this to the ratings. Whereas this is the type of show that you have to kind of throw out there and be patient, and allow it to build an audience, and this which never is did. is is poorly suited for network television, especially of that era. I mean, they want instant hits in the ten yeah. million, ten million plus people. To keep it on the air. I mean, if this had gone to like a a prestige network, I feel like it would have had a better life uh, and a longer life. So here's an interesting question. Do you think the Firefly would be a special thing if it had run for five seasons, for example, or the fact that it was canceled so early on contributed to the now cult status of the show? I do think it benefits in that regard from the to short run. I do. I, I think if it had gone five seasons, I mean... Breaking Bad is not a cult thing anymore, right? Like, you would never call it that. You, It's now a phenomenon. But what the fuck does cult mean? Cult just means that a lot of, a very few people like it because it didn't get widespread. Exactly. Like, there's two meanings. Exactly. There's, there's That's cult, exactly there's what cult I'm like saying. people yeah. like schlocky stuff. Right. I don't think Firefly meets that criteria. Firefly is good. It wouldn't have that status, yeah. It wouldn't have that cult status at all because it would just be... Good. I think, yeah, one of those great all-time shows. Yeah. Like, I don't understand... You know, if you're using cult in just a fringe fan category, 
Yeah. Uh, I don't Which think is what it means, I don't think it's, so yes. But, well, no, no, no. There's two meanings. There's, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show is a cult favorite because mm-hmm. it's literally like a cult. People do cult-like things in association with it, and it's it, they built it up to be better than it ever was. Yeah, but there's also the, the notion of, like, very few people knew about it when it came out, and then it became a big thing, right? Okay. Um no, but so if you ask me, would I rather have Firefly have this bullshit cult brown coat <laughs> convention community, or rather have five seasons of Firefly? Give me the five seasons, right? Me too. Give me the five seasons. Um, other interesting question: How do you view the movie in relation to the series? Because I've got some complicated feelings about this. Okay, was it I unnecessary? Not living up to the series? Good? Anything else you can think of? I think it was absolutely necessary. I because they leave that show nowhere. They don't in, they don't wrap that show up in the smallest necessary bit. in what way T- to have any kind of conclusion to the story of did it of need these to characters. have a conclusion though uh, I'm glad it does I'm glad it does <laughs> well and also why is this a conclusion and the other thing so what it's I a conclusion because they've dealt with the problem which is the the alliance hunting although no they haven't no they haven't they actually turned that on its head at the end and right the alliance is still going to come after them so here's what I think and they still got river. Here's what I think. I think that... They deal with the Reavers. That's I'm mad that he decided to conclude it with a single movie. Now I get it with the politics and all that. And, and I don't know what else he could do. Well, I mean, we're just, on the, the time. we're just on the cusp of Netflix doing and Amazon doing optioning material to make themselves and spending some money. We're on the cusp of uh, Kickstarter... Mm-hmm. And all these other ways that you can crowdsource funding for things and, and, and kickstart seed money so you can get big backers for something else. Right. I felt like that Joss Whedon unnecessarily tied this up in one neat – well, not one neat, one messy bow and unnecessarily killed off a bunch of characters to be like, I'm putting a stake in Firefly's heart. It's done. There's never going to be another series. There's never going to be another movie. Whereas if he told – an evolution of the story and like maybe left room for there to be a trilogy, you run the risk of having an unfinished story. But I almost am more mad the fact that he, I felt like he cut Firefly's head off in such a way that it can never come back in the same way that it was. I disagree. Book's dead. Wash is dead. That's it. Well, Book is a bit, uh, those are two of my favorite fucking minor characters. They're minor characters in the grand scheme of what Firefly actually did. Like, we never found out about Book. Serenity the the movie made me not want to, uh, I didn't need any more Firefly in my life. Now I can go back and read the comics But he didn't put the stamp on it. That's the thing. He doesn't put the stamp on it, right? All he does is deal with the universe not knowing about how the Reavers started. That's really it. Everything else is kind of set back how it was at the end of that movie. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like that... Uh, he also Genesis planted uh, River Tam's story, so like all that stuff that could have come out organically and much more interestingly. Yeah, it was rushed. For was sure. rushed all and slapdash, and and you know, I don't, I, I, I find myself like why I enjoy this movie for what it is. I also begrudge it the fact that I felt like it was the tombstone on the series where it could have been a springboard into something but you're, greater. But you're. You've got hindsight, right? Like, Joss Whedon doesn't know that Netflix is about to start. Joss Whedon doesn't know that Kickstarter is about to go off. Uh, he doesn't know that he's going to get another opportunity. This could literally be the last straw. Yeah. No, I, I understand. I'm just saying that, like, as a creator, I don't know what I'd rather done. Like, hope to make a movie that 
proves to some studio that this has still got legs and resurrect it or make a movie that just finalizes everything. Uh, do you want do you make a do you make a tombstone or a memorial or do you make a springboard? And I guess I would always hope for the springboard. And you okay. know, it's it's his movie, it's his property, he can do it, but like to me as soon as I saw Serenity, I'm like, "Oh, there's never going to be more Firefly. Never sure. ever ever." Yeah. There's, there's there's you know, he's moved on, everybody else has moved on. And I think at this po- point we're so far removed me. that, like, I don't, I don't even think you, I don't know, you almost need to wait longer now. But what I'm saying is, what characters. if he hadn't done that? Like, I could see 2007 right. another movie, 2009 another movie, Netflix picking it up, and who knows what would happen then. Yeah, I mean, that's fine if if that's how you you feel like you'd rather not have the movie, uh, you know, because it kind of cuts off opportunities. I get that. That makes sense. Uh, I'm it's just a, saying, like, a, Joss it's Whedon... That's an ultimate what-if, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Joss Whedon had, has no idea any of that stuff sure. is coming, so... And I, that's why I say I'm, I'm not critical... I'm not criticizing him for his creative choice. I'm just more mourning it as a fan. Gotcha. When yeah, I yeah. saw that and when I saw Book die and when Wash died, I'm like, wow, this, right. is, this is it. This how do, is how it. do you feel about the way that Wash died? I didn't like about the way any of those guys died. Okay. Like, I don't know why you had to kill. Like, I get you have to kill somebody. I, I don't know. I don't even know why. Fucking Star Trek movies get made without even people dying. Right. Why do you have to kill off main characters like that, man? <laughs> like, for, for some emotion, I mean, for some emotion, like, do I need, like, is that some the kind stakes. of show Firefly is? that? That's the thing. I mean, if there are no stakes this ever, then how, like, how do you ever put those stakes into it? You need I, to kill somebody. I don't agree. I feel like that's that's no. Very much... You agree. You agree on other shows like Game of Thrones, but this has that's the a ultimate different stakes type of because show. of what they're doing. The, yes, but that's an extreme form. And like the yeah, like if you're telling and with The Walking Dead, you know, I never felt Firefly was die. that kind of adult entertainment. I thought that it was more of a lighthearted okay. romp, yeah, and yeah. it's more of a Star Trekian thing where you don't have the the plot doesn't depending on people dying. To give it weight and stakes and whatnot. Well, uh, apparently you had the wrong idea of Firefly. Like, I don't, I don't know what Joss Whedon would have done given like that's the more other thing, seasons. That's the other thing is like, uh, it's only useful to kill people off to build stakes if you were then going to continue with the audience. And now they're like, oh shit, pins and needles, Mal could die this episode for well, real. I, I feel like they did that with Wash effectively because Wash died for no reason. I mean, he just gets speared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has to run off, and they talk about, oh, God, we're pinned in here. You really think any of us are surviving this? Mm-hmm. You feel like, okay, Wash just died, for sure. All of these characters could die here. Yeah. Uh, and that was until, after a book. Until like, the we ballerina knew... gets up and kicks all the space mutant monsters' ass. <laughs> right. You Wow, you really don't like Serenity. I like Serenity. Nah. I think uh, no, it no, has a lot thing. of heart. Like, that's not fair. Good action. I do like Serenity. It's... It's. I like the bigger budget. I do like the action. I do like that stuff. But I also, um, I guess, how I feel about it emotionally as a, uh, a a final destination colors it a little bit somewhat. But no, I think it's great. It's got a but great I, villain. Yeah, it's got some really great. Ma- I mean, isn't that the one he gives the uh, "I aim to misbehave" speech? That's one of the best mouth speeches yes, I think ever. So. And then you know he he actually has a moment of tactical. Yep. Brilliance, bringing in the Reavers. Yep. Uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, if you look at it from the other end, like we're never getting any more Firefly because Fox owns this property. They're not going to release it. Uh, I, I view the movie as a welcomed final bit of Firefly that almost doesn't feel like we ever would have got or is deserved. Yeah. 
So to me, it's the other way around. Like I, I'm grateful for having just a little bit more of Firefly that I can watch. Yeah, I mean, like if I had to choose between no, I mean, especially at this late date. I mean, what Serenity came out in 2005, 2006. Yeah, you're not like, like bringing back I, those I, characters. Yeah, five years ago, you gave up hope of ever seeing one. You're going to Han Solo, Matt, yeah. is what you're going to do. Yeah. And I, that can work, but I feel like let it go a little bit longer. <laughs> no, I just, I just felt like that it was, at the time it came out, it was a little, like, I was just, I was surprised that Joss was ready to just throw out the baby in the bathwater for finality. Yeah. Now, I mean, I guess, yeah, now 10 years down the pike, that seems like it's the smarter thing to do. But then again, I almost like, what if? What if he hadn't? What if he had sure. made that? And sure. It'd been, it'd been, it made money for the studio. And then, you know, Netflix starts, picks it up two years later. Like, what, what, what if? What right. If? Right. I would have much rather seen more Firefly than, I don't know, Arrested Development. Uh, so another question was, have we read the comics? And if you have, what do you think of them? I never have. I'm not I a comic book guy, but... Uh, I might. Yeah, because I hear that they do address some of the mysteries around book. But I'm like you. We huh. were talking about this before we sat down to record, and I'm like, I would like to know how much Joss Whedon is involved in this kind of stuff because I do feel yeah. like that. Whereas in Star Trek, like I was way into the Star Trek novels. I read like every fucking one I could read back in the heyday. <laughs> uh-huh. And like some of them were shitty and didn't feel like Star Trek and some of them were awesome and did. Some and of them were more It Yeah. It, <laughs> and I didn't care one way or another, but I feel like with this, like, because that was always written by a bullpen of writers that, you know, nev- maybe they didn't necessarily get to tech and the character notes just, and it's like, whatever. Yeah. Whereas this did feel so much like Joss Whedon that I don't want just anybody right. writing fan fiction for it. Like, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I could go out to Usenet and read a shit ton of bad Firefly fan fiction. Oh, yeah. Like a never-ending oh, yeah. <laughs> cavalcade of Firefly fan fiction. I don't want that. I want something that's authoritative. Like, if they have a, if they have a satisfying explanation of book's origin, I want it to feel like it's real, not some dude that had an idea that he ran with. Right. Like, what was Joss Whedon thinking? Or was he thinking anything? I mean, that's the other depressing thing is it's entirely possible that he threw that in as like, oh, this is going to be a story hook that I can resolve later on seasons, and that's all the thought I'm going to give it to it. So there's something more to book, and I'll figure it out later. Sure. Like, maybe he doesn't have an answer. Maybe. Maybe there there is no clear answer. Uh, I got to give a lot of credit to Tim Minear, though. He's kind of the co-writer on, and just straight up writer on a lot of these. Like, out of gas, he wrote. uh, Sure. He yeah, yeah, he true. did a lot of really excellent work on Firefly. I would accept like I you know more about this than I, but if there was a few staff writers, like say if uh, you know back, let's make a X Files analogy. You know uh, X Files, Kansas, and there is a. I found out that there was a series written comic series written by Vince Gilligan. Uh huh. Yeah, I'd read. I'd, I'd 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 take that as authoritative. So if there's a staff writer, a head writer, or story editor that took over the reins of the comics. That would be good enough for me. Yeah, but if it's just some no, I'm with you. If it's just I, some dude that Marvel or DC or Image tapped no. to do it, then fuck that. T- bring Timothy's on in, have him write it. <laughs> mm. So that's a that's another interesting. Like if some science fiction author I actually respected, right? And I right. I I read some interviews. He's like, I'm a big fan of the works. I've read everything there is. I've talked to Joss Whedon. We had multiple dinners, and I would still feel a little uneasy because it is such a Joss Whedon feel. But if the fact that there's but, no yeah. more coming down the pike, 
right. and Joss ended it. So you're just a, you're essentially. I mean, I would never write a post book post wash story. Post book, okay, sure, yeah. I would write, you know, essentially stuff that happened in between the series and like the furthers adventures of Mal and everybody. Mm-hmm. That's where you live, and that's where you have your fun. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I like it. Uh, I think I mean, there's a lot of talk about the feminism of Joss Whedon and sex positivity and some yeah. of the, the less positive aspects. I feel like we covered that fairly well. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, when you think about Firefly, that's one of the things I think about is sure. the kind of matter-of-fact nature with which they treat people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all people, and they're individuals, and they have their own quirks, yeah. but none of them are really stereotyped too much. Yeah, uh, I felt like that's about all. Can I'm... I just say it's a little weird that there are no Asians in this show in a show in a culture that's so heavily influenced by Chinese culture? <laughs> right, a little suspicious, a little strange. Do you think, in much the same way, there's a lot of Native American trappings in American culture, even though we've essentially eliminated them? That that's actually a dark huh. interpretation Ooh. that we appropriated culturally, but eventually, the but the Western world destroyed the Eastern world. It's dark. I hadn't considered it, but could be, could be. I'd like to ask Joss Whedon about that. Or another interesting possibility is like, say they came across in a big colony ship and. Mm. Essentially, that you had this this Asian overlord class, and then the white people were Rebelled, essentially steerage and slaves, uh, or not slaves, but like worker class and all that. But yeah, you know, because we outnumbered them, we just outbred them, and like that train movie that I can't yeah, remember, it's a go crash. Yeah, or maybe there's a genetic disease, kind of like sickle cell anemia amongst black people that that made them susceptible, <laughs> yeah. the Asian population susceptible, and it wiped them all out. I, so I haven't heard any comment on. But this you're from right; anybody. there could it's have a been a little confusing. There could have been some Asians in this. A couple, yeah, couple at least. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Instead, I'd like of, instead of important, the old Russian white guy, you could have put the right the right. Chi- the Chinese woman from uh, Daredevil in there. She could have been okay. one of the the big bosses. Sure, why not? Just anybody, anybody. Come on. Good point. You know, I'd never actually considered <laughs> the fact that strange. yeah. Why? Why is that? Why is that? But uh, your dark interpretation is interesting. Mm. If if complete speculation. <laughs> Speak. I, <laughs> I, 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 excuse me. I got to go write some bad Firefly <laughs> right. fan fiction. I got a novel to write. Uh, Novella. Thanks to the community that came together to commission this podcast. Uh, we've had a lot of fun. Uh, and a good excuse to go back and rewatch it and then talk yeah. about uh, the series. Um, and I love what- it. I can't tell you how good I feel watching this show. Yeah. It's just so much fun. Yeah. It's another one that's fun to take off the shelf and just watch it for whatever. Yeah. Hey, uh, so this is going to be kind of awkward. I uh, I screwed up. The deadline that I put on the email that I sent out to people, um, I transposed the number, and it was much later than I intended it to be. So we recorded the Firefly podcast, and we're about to publish it, and then I started getting more Firefly Firefly feedback. And I was about to be like, ah, too late, fuckers. But then, uh, number one, they paid for this, so that's kind of rude. Mm-hmm. Number two, I screwed up. So we have collected some more... Uh, on th- I was about to say late, but on-time feedback, and we're going to awkwardly drop it into the middle of this podcast somewhere. Uh, okay. So I'm just saying that so it doesn't sound even more awkward than it was. Dante Danger, strong encourage us to find or make or craft a recipe for some mutter's milk and share the recipe with, with us. Hmm. Um, I looked in because I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. But then I remembered. Here's the on-show description of mutter's milk. 
Uh, Jane says it's all the protein, vitamins, and carbs of your grandma's best turkey dinner plus 15% alcohol. And Wash spits it out and says in Chinese, what kind of rotten shit is this? Uh-huh. So it doesn't sound particularly appetizing. And I started looking at, at recipes. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it'll be some kind of like white Russian sure. smoothie yeah. thing. That mm-hmm. sounds delicious. People are really going for this Thanksgiving dinner protein theme. Oof. Okay. Uh, here's one. Half a cup of milk. Half a cup of Guinness. Half a cup mm-hmm. of... Uh, Scrumpy Jacks, Harps, or similar alcoholic cider. Uh, Two shots of Canadian Club or similar blended rye whiskey. Two shots of vodka. Mm -hmm. Uh, One crushed multivitamin, daily Uh, vitamin, multivitamin pill. Why would you? No. One scoop of whey protein powder. Nope. Nope. That sounds disgusting. Uh, Here's (laughs) another one. Uh, Two, three shots of Jack Daniels Tennessee honey. Okay. Half cup of milk, half a cup plain Greek yogurt, one banana, uh. <laughs> two tablespoons peanut butter, one quarter cup oatmeal, oh. honey to taste, cinnamon to taste, blend it with ice. To taste. To taste <laughs> yeah. is a fucking joke. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I use, uh, yeah. oh it, it's perfect now. <laughs> right. It's perfect now. Four and a half pound cinnamon. It tastes exactly like cinnamon. <laughs> Here's the worst one, I think. Three high protein tiger's milk diet or uh, energy bars. Bars? Yeah. Okay. One third cup unmilled or Irish oatmeal. I guess unmilled is synonymous for Irish. Okay. One cup of sarsaparilla. One third. Uh, uh, there are two bottles of root beer and one bottle of YooHoo. I mean, isn't that what sarsaparilla is, or what root beer is? Is a sarsaparilla flavor? Well, sarsaparilla is, I think, more sweeter. of a arti- artisanal, artisanal. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to unwrap the tiger's milk bars, cut them up into portions, and soak them into a third of the cup of the sarsaparilla I mean, that's... overnight. And then blend it, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. All this is you got to blend it. Yeah, yeah. But all this shit is that sounds I'm terrible. not going to put my colon through that process. I'll I'll drink whatever. I won't but... put my taste buds through it. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it's like I a have... lot. And that's other sort of things like I I I don't have the luxury of indulging in shitty empty calories. Right, you know. Right, I'm trying to lose weight uh, of late, so no, I'm I'm not going to do that. But if you guys want to, there's Uh, literally dozens of these things floating around Firefly message boards and stuff. These are just. Has anyone made one with Soylent yet? Because I have Soylent in the kitchen. I I could see any, but just Soylent and vodka. Sure, but you got to see. It's 15. That's the other. All those were carefully balanced to be 15 percent alcohol by volume. All right. Soylent and then vodka to taste. <laughs> right, right. How about that? Uh, so Dante's experience was weird in that he saw Serenity the movie first, which is the same experience my girlfriend huh. had. That's she watched strange. Serenity completely apropos to nothing and uh, then later with me want, went through and watched the series in the movie. Hmm. Uh, he says, Serenity is a great movie, but when I saw it, I didn't even know the show existed and I didn't learn about the show for over a year and a half. That's a good point. Would you necessarily... If you didn't had never heard of Firefly and you saw Serenity, I'm not sure people would think, "Oh, this is based on a big series that I'm missing a huge portion of." Right. I don't think you necessarily need the series to watch it, but I feel like maybe Book because if you don't know who Book is, it's like right. that does feel like he just like who is this guy and why do I care so much about him? Yeah, there's there's very little establishing the relationship there in the movie, but I, I feel like it's not strange to me if you watch the movie and go, "Hey, that was fun." Uh, 
if you watch the movie and then go back and watch the series, it feels like maybe maybe it would just fill in the parts of the movie you didn't get. Well, that's what he said. He goes, when I came around to the show two years after seeing the movie, it was like a world being retrospectively expanded, and I loved it. Okay. Of course, Hmm. it meant I knew that Walsh was dead, and Nara and Maul didn't get together, and I totally didn't understand why they cared that a shepherd had died, but... (laughs) Uh, he also felt a renewed connection to the characters. Um, he said Serenity became all killer, no filler, because that's the other thing. It's like a lot of stuff like book and all that just must seem like, oh, we need to round out this and make it a... Right. I mean, book feels like a pretty tenuous storyline anyway Yeah. in the movie. So without the background of Firefly, it must feel extra pointless. Dante says, to me, the show has one of the most wonderful and rich universes out of any sci-fi. For me, Star Wars, the original trilogy, is the greatest in-universe in movie form. Our greatest universe in movie form. Mass Effect is the greatest video game, and Firefly is the greatest TV show. Wow, sci-fi fanatic. Wants to know our thoughts on that. On, like, what the greatest is, or specifically if those are the greatest? Well, I mean, like, I guess you could just say, yeah, I agree, and go on. But I'm I'm thinking, and just to be fair, I did not give this any more thought than than you have. I'm springing this on us both. Yeah. Um, I feel like that if you – the one missing category here is is books. And I would throw uh, Dune in there for a really fleshed-out, interesting – well-rounded piece of science fiction universe in that I mean, it, it hasn't adequately been captured in a, in a movie or television format, although I think sci-fi um, tried a couple years back. Mm-hmm. I've never played Mass Effect, so I couldn't judge. Right, and I, I don't... For video games. I don't know. I mean, when you're going books... Well, I've... So I haven't played much Mass Effect. I noped out in the car stuff in number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear number two is, like, really, really good. And number three depends on whether or not you buy into their story. Well, and the ending uh, is particular, I hear, is some people. But then they patched it with DLC. I, I yeah, don't know. Man. I know. It, it, three's what's complicated. The, what's the definitive co- uh, canon on that? Right. Um, so I, I don't know about Mass Effect. I haven't played enough. Well, that's Star Control. <laughs> Star Control is pretty good. I mean, it's uh, weird because there's like, a lot of jokey stuff. Uh-huh. But it's also got a really compelling... Like, I just remember when I sat down to play with my son, I think it was about two years ago, and he was six or seven... We had surprisingly complex conversations about, you know, uh, I guess cosmic justice and rights and responsibilities and slavery and, uh, you know, why uh, tragic villains, like, you know, the concept of a person being evil, but you can kind of understand if you were through the things that they went through that they would be that way. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like it's easy to dismiss it as a whole bunch of, you know, sex jokes, the sirens and shit like that, but it also has a lot of complex stuff to it as well. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, you're inevitably when you state something is the greatest, you're going to get arguments. Oh yeah. Uh and I I have not like I don't know enough about sci-fi even though it's one of my favorite genres right. to say definitively, "Oh, here's the greatest" or or not. Uh I mean, you go to you go to books and you're talking a whole other game, right? Well, you got like Star Wars probably doesn't hold sure. a candle to I, I don't know shit like Ring World or yeah. whatever. I I've never read those. That's stuff, I was going to say Niven's Ring World, uh, right. Asimov's Foundation, and Earth series. How do you even compare it? You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, television now giving Firefly the nod over Star Trek. 
That's interesting. Like if you take the old series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine as that as a universe, that does. I mean, I can't summon an art because it's apples and oranges. You've got, yeah. you know, it's kind of like the great Star Wars versus Star Trek, just artistic debate, which is better. You got to use this utopian, techno-based future versus wild, wild west in space. Which is yeah. funny because Gene Roddenberry envisioned the original Star Trek as being a wild, wild west. And it in feels space. much more like that than Next sure. Generation does. Sure, sure. sure. Uh, so I, I don't know. And as far as movies, it's, uh, it's it's really hard to say anything's better than Star Wars as far as a universe building, fun to live in environment. Right, right. And the Force certainly adds something to it. Sure. That a lot of other series don't get. Yeah. I would throw. Um, you know, one of the reasons I was a big fan, became a big fan of Destiny, and I know that's it's always ironic to me because everybody lampoons how shitty the story is, mm-hmm. but the background lore is fucking fascinating. Huh. It's a damn shame you have to get on your cell phone or your web browser to read all that stuff or look through a bunch of YouTube videos. But the right. like, there's a lot of high concept, hard sci-fi, uh, and human drama buried in those little ghost fragments you pick up in the game. Hmm. Uh, another question he has, which of the characters do you feel need further or is most need in further screen time or development or deserve another book. series to give them the expansion or closure they deserve? That's an easy one. Book. Book absolutely needed more series time. I'm trying uh, to think he's probably the most underserved character because everybody... I think easily. I, I mean, there's some stuff with... Like, Serenity at least pulls in the the river stuff a little bit better, right? And gives you a closer look at that. But Book just never gets justice. Let's go by. So it's like, obviously, Mal and Ara, they have their own entire kind of plots. So, like, they were as fully developed as they'd get. Uh, Walsh had the kind of torture sequence. Arguably, he had his own plot line. And I never felt like there was another layer to Walsh that... I'm was, sure there wasn't be, uncovered, but yeah, I mean, uh, there might, but that needed to be developed, which we never saw. So. What about Zoe? Zoe never, we she never felt really understand. Fairly one dimensional, yeah, as and we never, we never understood why exactly she hitched her wagon to Mal, and why she fell in I love mean, with Walsh. Like, I felt but like you there get was a it lot from the war, like their connection in war that bonds people in a way that, yeah, that made a lot of sense to me, and I didn't feel like I needed further explanation. Like, there was never this intriguing plot with Zoe where we didn't quite get enough and was like, hmm, maybe thinking, there's more to her. If we had five seasons of Firefly, the flashback episodes to show, like, how her and Walsh became a couple would be, like, that would have answered a lot of those. But I don't know that we right. need it. I guess that's the angle. I, you know, her. the other thing is Kaylee. Mm-hmm. Kaylee didn't, is is a fairly underserved character. She got to go dress up fancy and go to a ball. Mm-hmm. And she got railed by some shitty mechanic. Yeah, we saw her origin... And with with the firefly, there's not uh, a Serenity, lot, and she plays with Anara's hair. That's that she. I felt like that there was a lot to her too. Like I would love to see like on the planet she grew up with. What you know exactly? A, what makes her right. tick? I guess all those things are stuff that may or may not be extra layers. With mm-hmm. whereas with book, we know there's another layer. Yeah, and they never explore it. Yeah. I mean, and it's like it's multi- that's layers of multiple layers. We know he was something else, and we know uh-huh. he is something else now. Uh-huh. How? What why? is he? Like, we don't have the yeah. basic, like, what yeah. kind of questions like, with other characters. Why, is he a shepherd? Is he a real shepherd? Why did he become right. a shepherd? Is, you know, is he kind of like a Yoda in hiding or an Obi-Wan Kenobi in hiding? Or is he a sincere conversion to that faith because of an experience he had as the other thing that we don't know he is? Yeah. Like, yeah. he really is this 
lambda symbol of or, or infinity symbol of just in, the possibilities. Yeah. What about and the, interesting ones? Too. What about the Tams? I felt like they were pretty well served. Yeah, I mean that's essentially what all of Serenity was about. Right? If it wasn't for the movie, you might make an argument for we need to know more about River. Yeah, but and I, River never felt like a real character to me either. She's a right. She's a MacGuffin in the television series and a prop, uh, a, a Deus Ex Machina <laughs> in the movie. I'll give you that. So, I mean, is there anybody else we're leaving out? In the main, I'm trying to think in the crew. I mean, Jane, but Jane, Jane is one-dimensional. And he He's got Jane's down. Mercenary for hire, boom. Like, I, that's like, I feel like that's, you know, if I've, with any large cast type of thing, you got to ask yourself, are they, is every character getting a decent plot line per season? That's yeah. the best you can really ask. And Jane got Jane's town in season well, one. We needed Bookstown. We, we really needed Bookstown. Needed Bookstown. <laughs> I could go for a Kaylee town, too. Okay. Uh... Tyler S. thinks that Serenity would be a good candidate for another community commission. Um, we I don't did that know, here, right? Because I don't know that I have a lot more to say about it from, you know, what we said here on the pod. This is already mm-hmm. approaching a two-hour podcast. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I, and I, I'd, I'd be tempted to take Serenity as more of, like, again, I think it's, Serenity feels more like a dirge than a celebration. Like, I... It, mm-hmm. it, it it still bums me out more than I feel like I was satisfied and completed as a fan. I know you obviously did. So yeah, that's, I, that's I don't. Not, I'm, totally I'm not pretending agree. that's a majority of opinion or anything but my own. But right. I, I don't know if it would be an interesting addition to the podcast. Uh, so that is the the you know we had a couple other people, but it's more just like their favorite episodes. And since we covered almost all of the episodes in mm-hmm. some fashion. Um, yeah, that uh, I, I don't think I need to read everybody's this list of faves. So, but out of gas, I think seemed like it was on everyone's list. I think so. Uh, I think that's the standout episode for the series. Um, and then, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, I feel like stuff like Trainwreck is maybe. You mean a train heist? Or, isn't it called Trainwreck? I thought it's Train Heist. Is it called Train Heist? Maybe. Um, uh, I think that might be one of the lower. Lower episodes, maybe the ballroom one with Kaylee and the the duel. That was the what, what so someone actually specifically mentioned that as one of their top three. I think that that was uh, was a heart to heart. I get it. Like if you're a Kaylee fan, the train job is the one you're talking train about. Train job. Okay, it was neither. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If if you're a bi- a big fan of Kaylee and you like seeing Kaylee have fun and, and oh, I'm do sorry, her heart thing. of gold is the one. Someone that's the one where the the whores on the local planets. Uh, Hold a, I kind of like that one. No, yeah, I'm saying I don't that, know that why. Was, someone said that was their favorite. I, I okay. thought that was the ball with the duel and all that stuff. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's probably my least favorite. I think is the Kaylee one because the duel did like. I don't know. I'm trying to think, weren't, what, weren't they doing like? Wait, what was the one where they were like transporting cows? And Simon I, and gets lost just when they need him. Maybe that's my least favorite. What do you think about the message? That was the one where the former independent soldier who served with Mal and Zoe returns and demands oh, safe. I didn't, didn't, bad. I didn't like that one. That's I mean, pretty bad. It wasn't bad. It's just I thought it wasn't up to scratch on the other ones. That's the one that I, I don't know that I'll ever watch again. Right. There are a few. There are a few episodes I don't care for but then there are some a few really stellar ones and the rest of them are solid so it's not like 
You know, I'm surprised no one mentioned Ariel because that was a fun, like, just heist straight up. I mean, it's a better version of the train job. It's one Is where they the infiltrate in a hospital. No, no, no. Oh. And steal oh, okay. the medical supplies. And Jane yeah. almost betrays everybody, but then he does it. You know. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. I like the ending of that. I like when he, he airlocks yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, so it's weird because in that one, like, I don't, I can't remember. It's been a while since we did the main sure, recording sure. of this. But yeah. did we talk about how the the planning sequence, like the Ocean's Eleven stuff, is all inconsequential? Sure. Uh-huh. Because it, well, I don't know. We, like no, with we Jane didn't. specifically, he walks in and he's got these lines that they're all prepared to say and they've been practicing for so long. And then they're just like, "Oh yeah, bring him in. Come on." That's that's Come such a weed, that's such a Whedon moment. I know it's and great. That's 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 the other things like that uh, could feel like a waste, but in a Whedon production, it doesn't to me. And yeah. I don't know why. It was, it was a subversion of your expectation because, like, yeah, anytime yeah. I see a television show wind up an Ocean's Eleven style thing, I'm like, I'm just going to see a lesser version uh-huh. of Ocean's Eleven. You know, it's going. I know all the things. I'm like, oh, look how impotent. I mean, it's it's such a fucking trope, and they do yeah. it. I mean, even like a show that I really love, like Banshee. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, it's got an uncrackable safe, and even right. if you could crack it, it's got hard lines that are cut off from the outside world, and mm-hmm. even if you're in the outside world, it's Motion in the middle of a black and- fucking hole, and <laughs> light can't even escape it. It's like, okay, well, you're going to break it, so uh-huh. you know it, it. But yeah, I thought subverting it is about the only thing interesting you can do. No kind of low-budget television show. I think that's what he was going for. Yeah. Which, it totally worked. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's only like one or two episodes that are, I would call, say, below par. Everything else is, is pretty... And even some of those have... I mean, that's the thing. The message, I just... Not only is it kind of subpar, but it doesn't even have like a B-plot that is entertaining. The message? That's the one with the sol- the where the former soldier comes oh, back okay. and wants Mal to shelter him. Right. I don't. I don't ever pay. I binge watch this show uh, every few years, I guess. Yeah, and I just never pay attention to the titles. Well, no. I mean, that's the only reason I'm saying them is because I've got the Wikipedia article <laughs> right. open. But yeah, all right. So I think that's it for the somewhere embedded in the middle's podcast feedback addendum. Great. Uh, but thank you for that. And if you'd like to commission your podcast uh, or pool together and do a community commission you can do so at baldmove.com slash shop it's got all the details uh of what's available and, and how you can do it and uh yeah we're having a lot of fun with them we'll be back at some future point with yet more uh yeah. we're about ready for princess bride aren't we no we're never ready your for waterloo that. never quite be ready for about that. to fall on your sword <laughs> this is this is not a shameful death this is a clean death jim <laughs> We'll see you I've later. had my my nerve my Princess Bride nerve <laughs> clusters ripped out long ago. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> see ya. When the stars shine bright through the engines trail and the dust of another world drops behind. When my ship is free of the open sky.